Uh, thank first of all, thank you for being here, Kendra. Yeah, you're welcome. I love um, being I here. Just, <laughs> I love being here. I'm just being a psycho hoe because the restaurant industry is very much to me like the music industry in that I'm fixating. Mm-hmm. And we're about to go into uh, an episode here, you guys. We're about to go into a, a, an episode about food and restaurants. And I feel like I missed so much stuff. Obviously, it's so hard to cram 20 years of experience into two hours of an episode. Yeah. So obviously, we're going to continue on. But I just want to say, like the music episodes. This is me. This is mostly me self-soothing. Like, I'm rubbing my own hair right now uh <laughs> I, it's gonna get more expansive and stuff and i don't want it to be like a downer the whole time and stuff hmm. i do i do love this industry that's why i stay in it that's why i want to make it better that's why i complain you know yeah often oftentimes like when i am complaining it's like hey yo i'm frustrated because i want to like improve this and stuff like that so I think there are a lot of things too. I don't realize. Like, do you do you found this? It you found this to be an interesting episode, right? Like, you enjoyed yeah, this episode, right? Yeah. yeah. And I just want to like, if you guys have questions about certain aspects of the industry, write in because usually when I do talk about the industry, people are like, "Well, what about this? Well, what about that?" You know what I mean? So things that I might find mundane or whatever uh, that I didn't cover. I'm happy to bring up again. I'm, yeah. I know we're going to continue talking about this just because right now it's the industries, it's my life. And right now the industry is in some weird shit, some weird shit's going on in the industry. So yeah. <laughs> as far as like fair, fair pay, you know, sexual harassment, etc. So I hope you guys do enjoy this episode. Kendra was absolutely enthusiastic when we were, when we were doing it, you know, I just, you guys know me at this point. We're in the fourth season. If you guys don't know me by now. If you don't know me, me by, by now. now. Uh, <laughs> we have been doing this a while. I like listening about things that I would have no other access to. So the food industry is one of those things where I'm like fascinated by what the fuck goes on behind the scenes. So I think it would be fun for y'all to listen Sure. right and it's definitely it definitely is a fun listen i just you know i just like there's so many things i just you know prank wars and all the good times and you know i just i know that it, i know that the whole thing isn't a downer but i just want to say that i do love this industry and i do ha i do have mostly good times in this in this place but uh yeah i hope you enjoy it and <sighs> write in with questions hate mail Kendra will be the only one reading it. Um, I live on a cloud. And <laughs> anyways, thank you guys, Kendra. Thank you for allowing me to do this because I am neurotic. Yeah, I like it. All right. Enjoy, guys. We and each of us covenant and promise that we will not reveal any of the secrets of this. First token of the Oanic priesthood, with its accompanying name, sign, or penalty. Should we do so, we agree that our throats be cut from ear to ear and our tongues torn out by their roots. Search, ponder, pray. Is this the place? Hello, what's up? Hi. Uh, big news today. What? 
first tattoo. Oh, what'd you get? I'm going to send it to you right now. You got a tattoo? <laughs> I got a tattoo. I'm a, a t- real Mormon rebel, rebel, rebel now. Rebel, rebel. Come on, um, get with it. Where'd you get it at? I got it at Meraki Tattoo. No, like on your body. I don't care. <laughs> in Orem by at Stephanie S. Or Stephanie's Stephanie's Art with oh, two S. Oh, you S's got it on them. your leg. You went full. Yeah. And it's Pretty our little cool. olive. Yeah. It's our little olive puppy. And how did it feel? Did you like it? Honestly, uh, I, th- I thought it was going to be worse. And then yeah, it's really not that bad. It's not that bad, but then I started to realize that yeah, it's actually not comfortable for like it was three and a half hours. Yeah, so I was just like, okay, like I can see how I had to like distract myself. It's so. honestly the sound where you can feel like you can hear like the sound of like the skin like going like 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 pulling the skin kind of. That's oh, the thing okay. that gets me. It's the sound. It's not the it's not the the actual needle phil yeah. it's the sound of like it's the sound for me yeah definitely would do it again not opposed and also yeah i feel really happy with it so i'm yeah it's happy. really cute she did a good job she did a great job are you in pain at all yeah no for real i was i was like okay this is gonna hurt like a sunburn and it does mm-hmm. it does hurt like a sunburn so yeah. i bumped it on the table when i was like leaving dinner <laughs> like scraped the corner of the table scraped right against it love the like, scrape fucking hell <laughs> i scraped okay. mine with a zipper pulling off a jacket once oh, and i was just no. like <laughs> i was like i don't want to do that again <laughs> oh. well that's yeah. fun though you know no, it's, i'm a tattooed human and i feel a little proud you're about tattooed it. Yeah, well, good. Congrats. Now you're you're fully on your rebellious way. You know? <laughs> about damn time. <laughs> it's about damn time. <laughs> In a minute, I'm gonna need a sentimental man or woman. <laughs> you know what um, I love about you, Bob, is that you know well, lyrics. It's really, really refreshing for me. It's an ADHD thing, you know? What can I say? Truly. And also <laughs> like a dissociative thing, because you're just like, well, I could just focus on learning the lyrics to thousands of songs instead of dealing with my life and works out i was out doing lift this morning i mm-hmm. let when it like i left at like six o'clock this, this morning mm-hmm. and um when the sun came up i got so moody so fast <laughs> and um i've been like rationing my meds because i had to go to the doctor to get refills so like i'm dizzy mm-hmm. um and <laughs> when the sun came up my i picked up a lady i thought she was a lady because the chick didn't have a profile picture and I like put her bag in my back, like in my trunk. And, mm-hmm. um, I got her in. She's like, sorry, I'm agoraphobic. It's hard to get out of the house. And that immediately, like, I was like, I got to put, I got to put hand sanitizer on my hand immediately. Yeah. And then she wasn't even my ride. <laughs> <And> <gasps> the chick that was my ride, like knocked on my window. She's like, hi, I think I'm your. And I was like, oh, okay. So I like got the lady out of my car. And she's like, sorry, but it was like a total yes. fair mix up because yes. she was waiting for a black SUV. I drive a black SUV. It's yes. totally fair. Yes. Um, so <laughs> like it wasn't sketchy at all, but then the sun was coming up and then I could hear something in my back seat rolling around. Oh, and no. I was like, you I was to about to lose back. it so hard. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. 
And I told the girl I was driving, I'm like, hun, everything's driving me crazy. I'm like, can you hear that? <laughs> She's like, yeah. And I'm like, I'm about to lose it. I'm like, I think you need to be my last. And I'm like, the sun is driving me crazy. I'm like, it's attacking me. It's too much. And she's like, girl. <laughs> just like, it's a no. It's a no for me. The vibe so is off like, today. <laughs> yeah. I was just like, okay, the sun's up. I'm done. <laughs> but I uh, went up to Park City. I hate. Here's what I hate. Here's my here's my thing with Lyft. Okay. I will take whatever ride because whatever. It's fine. Sure. Um, that's just my thing. Like, if the job needs to get done, and we'll talk about this. This is kind of what this episode's about, is how I'm good at this. But if a job needs to get done, I'll just go do it. But I'm not picky with the rides I take. <laughs> but I was so annoyed because, like, my second ride was to go to Park City. And I was like, mm-hmm. fuck me. It, the roads were slick. And I was just like, I didn't want to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but... Sundance is already like in full swing. Mm-hmm. It's not starting till tomorrow, but I was just like, oh, I'm not ready. I'm so not ready. And then um, I picked up some skiers who are leaving. I'm like, did the hotel politely ask you to leave to this morning? <laughs> and they're like, no. I'm like, yeah, they did. They're like, it was kind of, there was kind of a vibe. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> they're like, it was weird how like it went from like skier, alt, rich skiers throwing tantrums to like alt kids who were like clearly throwing a film festival. I'm like, yeah, but it changed, right? It was nicer. They're like, yeah. And I'm like, mm-hmm. but it's about to get crazy. You're getting out at the right time. But then I, when I was coming home, there was an accident on both my exits. I couldn't even get home. <laughs> what? I was like, I'm going to kill everyone. Because of yeah, the snow? So, yeah. So people just don't know how to drive in the snow. Like figure mm-hmm. it out, Utah. Figure it out. I'm tired of all these implants moving in and sliding. Like, slow down on the exits. Slow down on turns. Just do it. Like, Yeah, it's also, like, a big problem with just being cocky about it. You're like, oh, I live here. I can drive through the snow. And then they're like, not careful. Yeah, but, like, I'm the cockiest person everyone knows. And I still am. I'm not so cocky that I'm like, oh, I can beat the snow. Fuck yeah. off. In, an un- in a machine that's yeah. barreling down the road at 100 miles an hour? No. Right. And I have like all wheel drive and new tires and I slid today. Like I'm not, and I take it slow. So like, yeah, both X, both of my exits were (laughs) jammed up. I was so pissed. I was like, fuck the mornings. Fuck all these implants. (laughs) This is why I don't come out in the sun. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, fuck the sun. (laughs) But anyways. And then I went home and went to bed for eight hours. It was nice. I might be coming down with something. It could be just the fact that I haven't really been taking my meds like I'm supposed to, but true. They'll all be they'll all be ready for pickup tomorrow. Thank God. Well, so we should be back on track. I'm glad for you, but also, yeah. I mean, you went out of your comfort zone. You tried something new. What do you mean? Didn't work out with the sun. What do you mean? Oh yeah, you know, I uh, yeah. Yeah. It's true. I did. The sun and I were just not homies. Not yet. And also same. Somebody's like, I told my therapist mistakenly that I dreamed about a life where I woke up like at seven o'clock. Hold on. Sorry, I yawned. Because I've been trying to wake up earlier than I usually wake up. And why? Um, I think, I think it's just like my perception of what I should be doing. And like Spencer's 
going to probably start an in-office job soon. So, like, I gotta be up and not, like, letting my kid have free reign of an entire house. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So, Yeah, no, I'm that's trying. Really, you gotta You gotta get ready. But I don't like it. If everyone yeah, can just wake up at 9 a.m. instead of 6 a.m., that would be really beneficial for me. Sophie, Jake's daughter, who's three, she wakes up at five and turns the lights on for everyone. And says, okay, it's time for everyone to get up. <laughs> it's time. <laughs> hey, everybody. <laughs> what a cutie. She is so cute. Do you still watch them? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I, I like that you're thriving right now, it feels like. I'm not. I'm so poor. But uh, I guess, you know, it's not all about money. Thriving? <laughs> yeah, but there's always that terror that you're going to, you know, not have money one day. I had a dream that uh, my car got towed and I just couldn't afford to get it out. And I was, had, was at my mom's house. I was stranded at my mom's house. You know, the typical yes. dream. Yes. <laughs> but for you some reason, my, yeah, my mom came to my res- my rescue and like called Jacob and was like, Jacob, you need to go get her car out. Like, go help her. And I was like, what's going on? So it was a very strange dream. Your, your... It was just your alternate timeline. Uh, yeah, like where we all came together as a family. It was very yeah. strange. Yeah, I was like, Can I tell you about a dream that I had one time? Yeah. I woke up crying from this dream. Okay, so in this dream, my grandma didn't end up moving to California. And so we had like this farm in Arkansas. And then, like, I I had a dream. In this dream, um, my brother, did I tell you about this dream? Josh and I, we knew that we were on an alternate timeline. We were, And he was there longer than me. But he came up to me and he was like, hey, welcome. It's wonderful here. This is all the stuff that happened. And, like, mom's good. And... She, like, pulled up in a car, and she was so beautiful, and, like, she never did all of those drugs and stuff, and I, like, cried, and I hugged her, and I was like, I love you. I'm so grateful for you, and, like, thanks for doing this for us, and she was like, okay, weird. And then my brother was like, and the weirdest part of it all is, uh, here, meet your cousin, and my cousin Brianna, who's a girl, was a very... Like mustachioed handlebarred cowboy, and she was like, or I guess he was like, "What's up?" Josh told me everything. Isn't this nuts? I'm a boy. <laughs> and I was like, ah, "This is all wild." <laughs> so wow, but everyone was just cool with it. Everyone just yeah, everyone just had like, was like ma- mounds of chill. <laughs> yes, I love mounds of chill. So. All the chill that they'd been missing in the previous life, they suddenly had. Oh, this is where it was. This is where. Oh, it yeah, went. it's on that timeline, oh. not oh, over wow. here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nuts. Nuts. It is nuts. It really. <laughs> I really think I'm getting on Jake's last nerve, though. Uh-huh. Which I don't really understand. I'm like, I'm sorry. Is it because your kids like me more than they like you? Is is that why? Are you just mentioning that because you know he listens and you might pick a fight or what? <laughs> No, he's he reiterated the other day that he does not listen to this podcast. So every time we see each other, he let, makes sure to let me know that he doesn't listen. Me thinks. Just out of the blue. I'm like, me okay, thinks. well, whatever, dude. 
thou dost protest too much, sir. I yeah, uh, me thinks thou dost protest. And of course the uh me calling Zach a rapist thing got brought up again. Uh, it was Alex's birthday on Monday. And he's like, Yeah, uh, have you talked to Zach? And I was like, Zach won't talk to me. And he's like, when was the last time you tried? I'm like, I don't know. I sent him an email like two weeks ago because Sophie was jamming out to his music and I just wanted to let him know. And I'm like, but I need to quit hitting him up because that's rude of me. And he's like, well, he told me he was mad at you because you called him a rapist. I'm like, fucking when did I do that? I'm like, I don't believe that I called him that because I don't believe that he is one. I'm like, we had a rape culture episode. I'm like, maybe you should listen to it so you get the whole context. And then I came home and listened to it yet again. (laughs) I'm so sick of listening to that episode. (laughs) To, to make see if sure. I called my brother a goddamn rapist, which I didn't. And, like, I even sent Jake, like, the exact time where I'm talking about Zach. And I'm like, if you want to listen to it, man. But I'm just like, I'm so tired of this conversation. Like, shut up, everyone. <laughs> like, seriously. Like, shut up. <laughs> I didn't. You know what, and though? It, I think it, it is something about you doing your own thing that is, like, working for you and you're excited about mm-hmm. that, like, people Puts everyone don't... out. Yeah, people don't want you to be that way. People don't want you to be succeeding. So pe- some people, not everybody, plenty of people want you to succeed, of course. But, like, the people that don't like watching you succeed, like, narcissist people in your family would be, like oh that's stealing away from my light let me find something negative about it and like not celebrate it with her so well i mean i'm gonna yeah that's probably what's going on but i'm just gonna put all that aside and say this is actually the point of the episode we are so unable to discuss this even now that it's like dude i didn't even say that but zach's so uncomfortable with me even discussing his like the fact that like we're so fucked up as a culture all this shit's going on. And I, what I said was, my mom said that someone accused Zach of this. Yes. She won't give us any details. I don't have any context. They're very sought after boys. So it's frustrating because all this because stuff Because even goes the on, allegation. Yeah, like who knows? And and, and we, ha- we live in this culture where the girls have to keep it pure. So if they go and have a fun night with a boy, the next day they wake up feeling guilty. And it's suddenly rape. This is the conversation we had. It wasn't, oh, my brother's a rapist because someone accused him of it. That's not what I said. Right. But. (laughs) But here we are. We are still talking about it two years later. Yeah. All right. Not only two years later, like 25 years later. (laughs) Let's get real. (laughs) We'll never stop talking about it, I guess. No, I mean, I think it's fine that we don't. That's what I kind of said to Jake. I was like, honestly, Jake, I'm like, it's a conversation. I'm like, I wasn't there. Jake, like, Jake's like, I was there for the whole, like, my sister situation where Zach went and talked to the guy and the guy said that, like, Op was gross and whatever. And Jake's like, that isn't really what happened. He's like, Zach scared the crap out of that guy. And I'm like, okay, then I need to correct that. Because Jake was like, I was young, I was sober. He's like, I wasn't on anything. He was like, I was in like sixth grade. He's like, I almost got my ass kicked by like a 22-year-old. He's like, but I did try to hit him with a shovel, to be fair. (laughs) (laughs) I guess there was a whole like fist fight on the front lawn. (laughs) There was like a whole like fight. Like there was like the hicks against the musicians. (laughs) Um, And, but what I said to Jake, I'm like, ultimately, what got me fired up as a conversation, Zach, and our most recent, the last time we got together, where he pretty much said fact checks can't get raped. He alluded to it. He didn't outright come to say it. 
I'm like, where he's just said a bunch of shit that I was just like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, I'm like, mm-hmm. he's skewed at this point. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm. it's really too bad. Oh, shit. I'm losing my mic. <laughs> I'm like, it's really too bad that this has turned in to this. I don't even fucking know. Mm-hmm. I'm like, but it is a situation in our family. <laughs> I'm like, obviously, I'm like, it doesn't affect either one of us, but we're here sitting here talking about it. I'm like, we were children when it happened, and we're sitting here talking about it. <laughs> like, it's a thing. Yeah. So, anyways, Jake and I are fighting about that or something. I don't think we're fighting, but I don't know. At this point, we were just trying to illustrate a point, and now it's blown up. So that's par for the course with this thing. Well, I don't think we're fighting. He said he got mad at me because I drank at Alex's birthday, but I'm like. Is this the first Alex's birthday where we haven't drank? <laughs> yeah. Did somebody not send me the memo? <laughs> like, I got there. I made myself a cocktail. I'm like, hey, Jake, you want to make you a cocktail? He's like, no. And I was like, okay, let's make it one later. Didn't even think anything of it. And then by the time it was like too late, he was like, I can't believe you're drinking. It's a kid's birthday party. I'm like, yeah. I'm, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've been so drunk at this kid's birthday party before. <laughs> yeah, what was the point of the other times? That practically, I think in my culture that I was robbed from, birthday parties are an excuse for the adults to get together and drink, and then the kids just run wild. Well, I gave Al a birth a, a picture of him when he on his third birthday party, and that's when Yuri, his grandpa, drunk my ass under the table. <laughs> yeah. So, sorry, I guess, I mean, I don't know. Sorry, it was a Monday. <laughs> I didn't have to work the next day is all I'm trying to get at. Just anytime you're going to get together and be like, okay, are, is drinking appropriate? What am I allowed to do today? Yeah. Can you please tell me because I don't have any rights? Well, I think just being the little sister means that you're just constantly getting lectured. Yeah. You know what I mean? I tried not to it. lecture my brother today. <laughs> And you, did you fail or did you succeed? Uh, all I said was. Because <laughs> <laughs> he sent me a screenshot of grandpa and him fighting. And I was like, wow, I don't like how either of you are talking to each other. Mm-hmm. So that's all I said. And I said, and then I said, I hope you get it worked out. So. Yeah. And he's like, that's not what I needed. It's like when you sent me your screenshot. And I was like, well, you're giving her what she wants. <laughs> and you're like, Bobby, I need support. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to be petty for once. I did talk to my therapist about that. Uh, breaking the no contact. Tell my mom she's a dumb bitch. And he's <laughs> in all caps, everyone. <laughs> Which I'm here for. Listen, I'm not here saying that I've never done it. I do it still sometimes when I'm like, shut up, mom. I fucking shut up. But it's just giving them what they want. So you, you got to try. But it's hard to be the bigger person all the time. I'm with you. Tell the people. Yeah. I was like, I'm tired of being the bigger person. So I just went in and I typed a bunch of things in all caps. And I was like, what part of no contact do you not understand, you dumb bitch? <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, do I need to get a protective order against you? Because <laughs> I feel like I was just being like, you want a piece of, you want a taste of your own medicine, mom? But right. Anyway, a- my I talked to my therapist about mm-hmm. it, and she was like, "Well, I mean, we're all human, so but oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, 
you're right. Uh, breaking the no contact to call your mom the bitch and then say. Are you saying I'm right? Are you saying that I'm right when you say you right? Is that what uh, it does feed into their ego, and you you uh, you don't need. I mean, clarifying clarifying a boundary is one thing too, like because she was trying to say that she could contact Halo, so he clarified the boundary, called her a dumb <laughs> bitch, and then she's like, at the end of the session talk to her i was like wait did i tell you about this uh this thing about that happened over the summer that we talked about in episode one mm-hmm. she was like no so i told her the whole condensed story and then she was like so do you need any more reason to like never talk to her again and i was right. like no and so i got the like total okay to just be like move on and yeah, I and uh, I mean, but it is so frustrating how she just keeps going, going, going. But I've also been a person who can't stop, and I hate that I do that. Like I think about that when I'm like, oh, I just wish you would understand where I'm coming from, um, and that I didn't mean or whatever that I'm different. But it's also like, just stop, just fucking stop. Yeah. <laughs> like, leave them alone. Just shh, just shh, shh. Anyways, I don't. I wanted to make sure, you know, I wasn't, like, judging you or anything. Oh, yeah. You know, I wasn't. You know. I actually thought you were mad at me for calling you an ableist cunt. And then I was like, oh, she fucking hates me now. But that's just how uncomfortable I I am when I (laughs) express myself and then think, wow, that was so strong. I don't even remember you calling me. (laughs) And then you you edited the episode and you're like, it's done. And I was like, now she re-heard me calling Wait, say what? <laughs> you, you edited the episode and you still didn't hear it, so. All right. Oh no, I now that you are telling me that you you called me that, I remember you calling me that. I just don't care. Right, that's cool. <laughs> I'm cool as a cucumber, man. I, I mean, I it. I meant it, but I still felt bad because I was like, well, maybe that was too harsh too. I don't know what an ableist cunt is. <laughs> What's an ableist? What am I doing? What is an ableist? Uh, when I said audiobooks are reading, uh-huh. and you were like, no, they're not. And I was like, people literally can't read with their eyes. No, I'm just saying, for me, as a pr- I know what you mean when you're calling me an ableist guy. But what I'm saying is, as someone who can do both, it's two different things. I'm not that's saying what I, that's, okay, that's what okay. I was saying. I wasn't saying that you're not getting the same information and stuff. By the way, people had feelings about <laughs> people did have feelings. <laughs> like, like uh, one of the most fantastic chefs I've ever worked with. Uh, he's a Creole boy from Louisiana, but he studies. Is he Fish Hands? I don't know who Fish Hands is. <laughs> Wait, never mind. Keep going. <laughs> I'm going to have to think on that on my memory. I'm sorry. Uh, I was but... actually thinking about 51st Dates. And then I was like, I'm sorry, that was oh, a movie, okay. not Bobby's Life. <laughs> um, but he gave me like this huge, long, no punctuation paragraph about how, <laughs> you know, with Creole spelling, like there was a lot going on <laughs> about how he listens to audiobooks so he can get the information. But fuck, no, it's not this <laughs> It was funny. I just thought, like, I'm not saying that, like, 
yeah, audiobooks are great. Listen to audiobooks all you want. I just don't think it's the same thing. That's all I was saying. Okay, and all I'm saying is, if I'm reading an audiobook, if I'm reading a book through audiobook and I'm getting the same message, can I not just say, I'm reading a book about this? Well, okay. You so said what no. I... <laughs> Here's what so I'm saying. Fine. So when I was growing up, they didn't teach me how to spell mischievous in fourth grade. I read no. about it. I didn't read if I would have re- if I would have listened to it in on an audiobook, I would have never learned how to spell mischievous. Sure. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's kind of what and I was getting at. There are specific like grammar rules that you understand and like uh-huh. how sentences are structured and like all that's very valuable. But would any of us have known how to say Hermione without listening to the audiobook cuz most of us motherfuckers were running around saying Hermione, Hermione, Hermione. <laughs> Well, I so watched the movie. Value in both. <laughs> no, I'm with you. I'm totally with you. I'm t- and you guys watch, hear me mispronounce words all day long because I'm a total <laughs> book, per- a book. Like I'm just like I only read. <laughs> fuck, fuck audio. Audios for music only. Um, <laughs> you're yeah, you're a purist. And podcasts because here yeah, we are. Yeah, yeah, and mispronouncing words. But and uh, all this information is unverified. So like, there's that. Like, right. But like, uh, no, for sure, for sure, for sure. This is all opinion and shit, but yeah. um, and experience. But I'm just saying, like, I wasn't trying to be like, hey, if you can't read, you can't listen. That's not what I was saying. I was just yeah. saying, like, reading. Like, I feel like everyone who's gonna, quote unquote, read Mike Pence's book is gonna listen to it. You know what I mean? And they can't spell. <laughs> And I feel like if they would have read his book, they could have learned how to spell a few words. That's hmm. all I'm saying. I just still feel triggered by the uh, standing ovation, I think. I think I need, I think I need to go to a therapist for that part. You're like, I'm still triggered. Sorry, that make got me really heated all of a sudden. I was just so happy that the three of us were just like, nah. <laughs> nah, I'm going to sit for the prayer, too. No way. Because, listen, y'all, my ass is fat and getting up out of those normal sized butt people butt chairs it just like rakes my sides really hard so I'm like I'm not getting up and down and up and down especially for shit I don't believe in this is where the performance stops y'all well honestly I don't think I've ever stood for a prayer unless I was already standing yeah so that's where I belong that's where I feel in the situation. I stood up. I feel like I stood up for the national anthem. We stood up for the national anthem, and we. I'm didn't not trying st- to get my ass kicked for real. A hundred percent. A hundred. I was like, push we're not- the limit all night long, but I'm not yeah. trying to actually get a butt boot up my ass. Keith, or Toby Keith style. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Except for if it's Wally, then you're like, hell no. No, Wally could. He Wally couldn't. He could. He could try, but please. I could whoop his ass any day. And he'd like it is the sad part. He might pay you for it. <sighs> Enough about it. Might Wally. look into that. Oh, God. Oh, God. No. <laughs> you just triggered. If you want to talk about triggering, you just <laughs> So many Arby's employees. Um... <laughs> All right. Let's do Should we this. get into this? All yeah. right. Good evening, brothers and sisters, non-binary listeners. This is Is This the Place podcast. I am your co-host, Bobby. My other co-host is here with me, Kendra. Hello. It's me. Guess what we're doing today, guys. (laughs) Food, glorious food. 
Uh, we're doing restaurants, etc. What is that? So from? it's gonna get dark. Food glorious food. Yeah. Uh, Oliver and company. Oh shit! Alright. Also, my mom every time she cooks, I don't know, <laughs> or or feeds the dogs, <laughs> or the iguana. Are you talking about Oliver and company, the cartoon dog? Oh no, just Oliver. Food glorious food. Oh, I'll ask my sister real quick. App food glorious food. <laughs> what if we just. Oliver, yeah. I was right. God yeah, damn. have you seen that movie? That movie's sad. No, I don't think so. He goes, please, sir, can I have some more? He's in an orphanage and he gets his ass whooped. And I'm like, been there. But my mom's like, see, they get it. So. <laughs> see, this is no normal. Ask for food, ass whooping. Ask for food, ass whooping. Obviously. You want more? You're hungry? How dare you? <laughs> so here's what is interesting about food. We all have to have it. Yes. We all need it. Yes. Since before fire, food has been something that we've gathered around to enjoy. Or at least it's been something that's brought us together to survive. The idea of food brings like wolf packs together. Elephants, lions, humans, you know. Mm-hmm. You just can't escape it in life. And... We've, of course, turned it into an art form. But throughout history, food has been, you know, you bring someone together for a feast to celebrate, you know, yes. quote unquote, show gratitude Thanksgiving was that allegedly. Uh, or you like the Easter celebration that Vlad the Impeller did, where he brought all the noble people into his palace and then impelled them all for being traitors. Holy Pe- shit. You, people just won't turn down a mill. You know, because going out to eat is the best. It is the best. <laughs> and and uh, like everyone says, a way to a man's heart is through his stomach or through his ribs. Um, <laughs> but I, uh, I just feel like the one thing, and this is also why the food restaurant industry is at a disadvantage, is because the one thing that will never quit is food. Food, mm-hmm. water, funerals. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Those are the industries that are always going to be going. I can't believe water's an industry, just by the way. But, right. Uh, <laughs> one thing I kind of want to hit on before we get too into it is poverty and seasoning. Um, mm. I love a nice cut of meat with salt and pepper on it. That's mm-hmm. it. Now, people might say that's the whitest thing ever. I find this to be poverty versus not poverty. I think we've all seen that episode of Seinfeld, right? Where he over, he, the meat's bad, but he thinks he can season it enough where it's not bad. Oh, it's like rotting. <laughs> yeah. Ew. But honestly, and I'm not, I, I love soul food and stuff. I'm not talking shit sure. on soul food. Sure. It's totally become its own thing. But a lot of the reasons why this has become what it was is because slaves got the shit. So they used all these spices and stuff to create something out of shit and -hmm. make it this amazing product. So, you know, this is a big reason why spice is huge. And the poorer the culture, quote unquote, like the poorer, like more poverty, the culture, you'll notice 
the more spice that you think about it you know what i mean are you thinking about it um i would like to say sure but also i think it also comes from like africa was super wealthy like the wealthiest people in africa and uh-huh. and like spices are a commodity right. and like rich people have spices too and so that was like incorporated in that culture too i I mean, it's definitely part of the spice. It was definitely part yes. of the spice trade. But yes, yes, a, yes. a lot of like when it comes to seasoning and stuff, especially like in American culture, if we're going heavy on the seasoning, it does have a lot to do with the quality of the yeah. meat. Yeah, you know? I can see that for sure. But hell, I love me some good seasoning. But like you said, I was thinking about this the other day. I was like, I do just like salt and pepper on mine and not even a lot of salt. I think... Like because, I want to taste the ingredient. I don't. Yeah, wanna, pr- I don't. I don't want to taste the seasoning. I want to taste the fucking ingredient. Probably partism, but also like when I, I think we were in seventh grade. We we watched a health class, and it's like, they were like, you should try foods bland, mm-hmm. so that you can know what they taste like, and then right. from there, if you know your what your palate is, and like you can tell what things go taste like, then you can yeah. like go from there to create little meals. So. I agree. I mean, like when someone goes crazy with seasoning a steak, I genuinely feel it ruins it. Hmm. Like genuinely. <laughs> I have a lot of reverence for cows too. Um, and I think people don't understand that. Like I'm a total cow eater. I love, I love beef. Like I love beef, but I also love cows. Like I think cows are just great little animals and mm-hmm. they do so much for us. And I like, I'm so kind to cows and stuff, even though I eat them and I love milk and all this stuff. Like I understand that they're so important to my, you know, yeah. my diet. Like I, it's not like fuck cows, yeah. <clears throat> you know, ha- happy cows give better meat. But um, I'm just like, I just, yeah, like I want to taste the the effort that went into yeah. raising this cow, making it good meat. And I when you can taste the poor quality, like I can taste it through the seasoning. You know what mm-hmm, I mean? Mm-hmm. And maybe that's just because of my palate. But I remember... You know, I remember <laughs> trying to cover things up with seasoning, and I understand, like, you got to do what you got to do, totally. Mm-hmm. But I also feel like when I'm having these conversations where people are losing their shit over seasoning, it is definitely a culture thing. And when I think about how ev- everyone's like, England doesn't season their shit, it's like, it's because it's always been the richest power. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, they don't got to. They've always had the nicest of everything. And they were number one on the spice trade, but they don't give a shit. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So it does have something to do, even in European culture. Uh, seasoning came in heavy to get rid of the spoiled meat. Mm. So that's that has something to do with poverty. It just It's just straight up it is what it is. And just lack of quality. Um, let's talk about food and Mormon culture. Do you think the food <laughs> here wait. is, it, it's, it's strange, right? <laughs> Absolutely. We've talked about that jello salad that I am constantly eating now. <laughs> oh my God. I love jello salad. I love, so, so, okay. I like the cottage cheese jello one. Which yes. Is disgusting. Everything which about is it is the, disgusting. I'm going to give the ingredients a packet okay. of lime jello, uh, drained. I like the strawberry one. Oh, 
drained, uh, crushed pineapple, cottage cheese, and a Cool Whip tub. Oh, that's what I've been what? eating for for a week, I think. I like the frog eye one too. The frog eye oh, pasta. So the one. ambrosia one. Yes. Oh no. That one's yes, fucking baller. Uh, one that's a big hit in my family, probably because we're poor, is uh, here's the ingredients: a packet <laughs> of a large packet of Jello, two cups of hot water, one packet of cream cheese blender. Let it let it set. So good. Really. So, so do you let it firm up? Yeah, you let it firm up. Okay. Hell yeah. So, let it set. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. It's so... Oh my god, it's so good. Do you have to, th- like, room temp the cottage cheese? Or uh, cream cheese? I mean, no. I th- I mean, it's probably better because if you don't, there's, like, a little bit of chunkies in it. But, like... Sure. Sure, that's hot, also the- part of the delicious journey that you're on sometimes. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if it feels if it, if it feels like a ninety five year old made it and they were shaking the whole time, even better. <laughs> and there was a place card in front of it in cursive that you just cannot read. <laughs> <laughs> and there's also hidden instructions because they're like, oh, I'll always remember that. I don't have to write it down. Yeah. Also, Ward cookbooks, best thing you could find. Oh yeah. In your life, it's just a uh, if you go to like a di or a thrift store and you come across a ward cookbook you pick that fucker up you guys casseroles for days <laughs> i've been living off of a uh, funeral potatoes lately yeah for but sure we we've had to change them to cheese potatoes because lily is russian orthodox and suspicious <laughs> <laughs> she's like i am not eating anything like funeral absolutely I- like uh utah food is a mixture of like weird ass it's melting midwest plus uh scottish heavily scottish and yeah and then like fry sauce so it's just jello fry sauce sauce. oh scones or i mean homemade breads uh, fry breads yeah gardening and also like here's something weird so my parents are from garfield county and my dad's from Tropic, and it's this little, like, mile. It's not even a mile. It's, like, half a mile, square mile. <laughs> like, you can walk from one end to the other. Like, you can walk all the way around it in less than an hour, okay? <laughs> so, <laughs> but it used to be, like, you can see, I'm, I've talked about it before, but you can see the prehistoric ocean line on the mountain. Yeah. And the, the, the soil's so fertile that you can grow like citrus there citrus and melons holy shit that's why they call so, it tropic yeah tropic it's like tropical so wow. <laughs> like nectarines citrus my the guy who cuts my grandpa's hair would always give him like a shit ton of lemons holy um, shit. like marmalades were always coming out of tropic uh always melons i fucking hate melons because of fucking family. hate melons fucking melons are hate melons. so so prevalent here and i'm like can i watermelon just cantaloupe one? any of them i hate them all fuck them all i can do some watermelon now but cantaloupe will instantly make me gag gag no it's just not good and i feel like it picks up whatever it's sitting next the flavor of whatever it's next to if it touches anything that that taste is going into your mouth cantaloupe and like my dad's obsessed with it and just watching me like are you sure just come on have a bite and i feel like people have tricked me with by putting salt on their cantaloupe so many times and trying to tell me it's good and i'm like you're a liar it's not have, good. 
I have done salt on cantaloupe, but like the way that my or worse, it's just bad. My grandpa puts them in like plastic bags and like brings them to my house and then drops them off. And like the smell emitting from the plastic bag hole, I'm like never. I will never touch these. Thanks, Grandpa. Like right to the green bin. Bye. Right. Bye. Yeah, and uh, a lot of cucumbers, um, which I zucchini. Zucchini, but a lot of can, a lot of canned goods during the winter. You pop out the canned goods. Um, a lot of canning going on. Um, but here's something that I thought was funny that we have to talk about. Girls usually pretend they're not hungry. Uh, I think that's a worldwide problem. I don't know. I feel like it was way worse in rural Mormon land. Like when I went to college. In the 2000s? Us girls would eat. We would go out to dinner and get our eat on, and I loved it. The girls I went to culinary school with and the girls that I worked in a clothing store with, like all of us would just go out and chow. Wow. So it was definitely part of our Like a weird Utah thing? I think so. A lot of us were also, like, raised in households that watched The Biggest Loser. Oh, my God. So, there was that. Heroin Chic is coming back. We've talked about that, I think, but... Yeah, all the celebrities are getting their Botox removed. Can you... And the buckle fat. Have you seen that? I think the whole thing's funny. I'm like, do what you want, girls. I don't give a shit, but I'm just gonna do me. It's all good. Yeah. For real, for real. I, I want to get well fed, and I don't give a fuck if that offends you. <laughs> yeah, like, I just, yeah, I mean, I want to get to a point where my stomach doesn't hurt. That's where I want to, that's where I want to get. <laughs> I don't care what it takes. <laughs> I, do, are you, so you texted me that you were eating just bread and butter, which is fucking phenomenal, by the way. Oh, yeah, bread and butter with a little whole milk. But I woke up and my stomach was on fire this this afternoon. Really? After my bread and butter, you'd think that would be like a very calming meal. <laughs> did you, uh, did, um, do you do the grandma sycamores? The one that's like the, I grabbed the, uh, they were out of it. So I grabbed the one that's the blue. It's, it's a similar, but it's with the blue writing. Oh, the uh, Duncan Hines one. Not is it Duncan? One. I don't think it's Duncan Hines. It's something else. But you know what I'm talking about. Franz. But it's like yes. almost exactly identical to Grandma's yes. Yeah. Yes. I'm in love, and I know this sounds makes me sound upper class. Okay, I'm I'm not. The Harmon sourdough is uh-huh. phenomenal. I knew you were gonna say that. <laughs> I cannot get over it. I cannot get over it. You know, it's funny because I love Harmon's too, but since I've been doing, you know, doing Lyft has been good because I'm not in the industry right now, but also I've been picking up people who are leaving their jobs from the industry or going to their jobs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they're just like, I fucking hate it. <laughs> and I was, I picked up a guy who worked at Harmon's and I was really bummed to hear that the same petty bullshit that goes on in every restaurant going on at Harmon's. Oh, that's too bad in their restaurant department, like in their food department. I'm just like, Jesus Christ, you guys, seriously? Like, when is this going to stop? Exactly. Wow. Um, I'm sad about that because you go in and you feel like... It's such a vibe. I love it there. Yeah. Yes. But then there's still petty bullshit. Yeah. He was like telling me about it and I was just like, it sounds like every fucking place I've ever worked. And he's like, yeah. He's like, I, he's like, I've been in this industry forever too. 
and like we were just kind of like chilling you know vibing we you know when you come with someone in your industry you can just talk about it you know yeah i'm sure it's, that's the same with any industry but yeah. i was just like i can feel your soul leaving your body i know that feeling you know the good part though i will say that having older brothers was uh since the girls were all pretending like they weren't hungry uh if it weren't for my brothers and their friends and eventually my guy friends i would have never found the joy of cooking i don't think um because the boys love to be fed mm-hmm. like that was kind of a thing that's a thing in every culture of course but especially in, like farmland culture it's like feed them boys um, <laughs> yeah, <for sure. laughs> and uh all those damn boys were very supportive of my cooking and figuring things out because they got to eat at the end of it like they were all very like i remember one time um i was figuring out egg noodles i was making chicken noodle soup and it was a rainy day and all the boys were in the garage in the backyard practicing um they're they're doing brand band practice and i think there was like more than one band there like they all practiced in the garage (laughs) um and Adam, who is like 12 years older than me, came in to use the bathroom and he just stopped and was like, what are you doing? And I'm like, making chicken noodle soup. And like he kind of made fun of like one of my noodles because it was big. I'll never forget that. But he was just like, all right, well, can't wait to try it. Like, do your thing, you know. And it was just nice to have that like added support with all the boys who were like, fuck, yeah, Bobby's cooking today. I hope <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it just gave me like that extra oomph to be like like the confidence that it's like all right not only can i do do this but the confidence and like excitement to be like even after like they moved out of the garage and went to a different like jam space mm-hmm. i would <laughs> bring them like brownies or or even if i just brought zach something everyone was jealous and I remember when Zach had his house up here, even when I was in high school, I'd come up and cook and everyone would be like so excited. Like all the boys would come and eat dinner um, because they heard I was in town. So it was like really, really beneficial to my growth as a cook. So very grateful (laughs) to have older brothers who had a lot of friends who wanted to be fed. And like encouraged you. That's really nice. Yeah. I remember like, one of my friends made egg noodles, and I don't remember. I was like, you made these? I didn't even know you could make noodles in college. I was just like, you mean like you boiled these? And she was like, no, I made them. And I was like, yeah. damn, all right. Well, but, like um, Jake, my homie Jake Payne, who I still talk to to this day, we're still friends. Um, I remember he came over one day, and I had made chicken and rice, which is my favorite. It's very Mormon. It's mm-hmm. very like Campbell's soup and sour cream and cheese and <laughs> He's like, that looks like throw up. I was like, try it. And he did. And he's like, this is so good. <laughs> and I'll never forget that. Cause like, I like loved all these boys. Cause they were like the big cute boys, you know? Oh so, yeah. You know what he I mean? was like, so. wow. Yeah. My house was, uh, my grandpa did all the cooking and oh, all he did was watch. Yeah. All he did was watch, uh, food network. And so we would just like sit and watch all these cooking shows. And I picked up so much from that. So It's actually interesting that your grandpa did all the cooking because I feel uh, in this culture, because my grandpa had like three or four recipes that he would do and it was a big deal when he'd do them, but my grandma did all the cooking. And in like my first restaurant job, the cooks, like the cooks and the prep cooks were all middle-aged women. And then like at night, the teenage boys would cook 
and when they got in over their head i'd go in and help them i was a server <laughs> i would go in and like get them out of the weeds you know mm-hmm. but like men cooking i feel like wasn't really a thing until it didn't start becoming a thing so that's awesome that your grandpa was a cook yeah like he um he has these like salad tongs and anytime they're used he tells us about have i told you about these salad tongs and i have to be like yeah but i love hearing about it and he so everybody was doing wood shop and stuff and he was like i just kind of really wanted to be in home ec and learn about cooking and then he was like i made these salad tongs in shop (laughs) so he like spent shop time building cooking tools (laughs) he's very proud of them i love that that's so great yeah and then like he's from the 50s right so like very ahead of his time for that very and it's like and cooking isn't something that should be like ashamed of like it's a skill we all need yes and it's very strange to me now when people are like i don't know how to cook yes i'm like what (laughs) what (laughs) like how have you survived no one ever left you home alone for days at a time like you know what i (laughs) (laughs) days you've you've never been left home alone like (laughs) so like okay let's talk about food when you're poor okay 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 did you ever have uh morning moo um powdered milk yes we've talked about powdered milk before and it's very important in baking but i struggle with it because we had it when we were poor now it's important while baking interesting yeah because so it's it milk i mean it's dehydrated milk okay. so if you uh if you want milk but you don't want that extra liquid it's it's something you can use i see you know what i mean um it's just something you can't it's not like extremely popular but it's definitely something we use in baking um but you know when you're poor sometimes you're just not getting food period mm-hmm. whether it's school lunches because you can't afford it i mean tell me you can't open up the internet every once in a while and see that someone some kid sold a bunch of things so he could pay for his friends school student school lunch debt yeah or whatever like this is real i lived this uh school lunch was very shaming for me Mm -hmm. and school lunch wasn't good anyways (laughs) let's get real i mean but I think a lot of people were just grateful to have the food. I was, I'm just, you know, I'm a Taurus and whatever. And Alvi, I would had a lot of pride. Um, but uh, the more my palate developed, the more I realized that I can point out poverty in a mill. <laughs> and there's usually one glaring factor and that's the texture. Yes. And there's usually some grit in poverty. Yes. Whether that yes. is a lack of care, quality of ingredients, or just experience by the person making it, um, it can cause this. And by experience the person making it, I mean, like, if you're in a factory that's making things and they're just hiring, not a chef, just a, you know, they don't know, they don't have all the experience to make a big batch of something smoother or whatever, you know what I mean? That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. So there's even Hershey's chocolate we've talked about Hershey's chocolate before it's America's chocolate but it's very low quality chocolate mm-hmm. and think mm-hmm. about the grit factor there mm-hmm. you know yeah so, and like the oiliness of it mm-hmm. and yeah so texture like, is a huge thing the thing about morning moo that you were talking about is I just cannot stand the smell yep 
And for some reason, it smells like the very worst quality milk. And they're just like, well, just dehydrate this and then <laughs> I'll, whatever. It's, uh, that's a triggering smell. Yeah, texture is a huge thing. I was just thinking yeah. about like um, school lunch and how people would throw the pickles on the ceiling. Do you not know about this? No, we talked. I never went into the. I never went into the cafeteria. Oh, that's right. School. Yeah, and like the best thing about um, school lunch was those homemade rolls, uh-huh. and and With you ranch. dip them in that ranch. That's like that water ranch. Sixty percent water. That <laughs> yeah. was so fucking good. <laughs> Sometimes I crave that ranch and it disgusts me. <laughs> we should like, go back certain, and see if it's certain, okay. There's certain poor food that I crave because I was raised poor. I am hell right, still, hell yeah. you know, that That's I'm why I'm like, eating that fucking jello salad. I'm like, this is part of my heritage. <laughs> I'm like, I crave the grit, mother. <laughs> <laughs> but on the other hand, sometimes super fancy, smooth shit makes me want to fucking yak. I don't want foam. I don't want it. Oh, yeah, no. Like, I don't want you to put something in an emulsifier. I don't want, I don't want foam. I don't, ugh, I don't want it. I don't want, you know, I don't want you to put out, like, poultry, you know, froth and make it crackle. I don't want it. Anyways. You know what is good smooth <laughs> is sushi. That stuff is good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that's something too, like low quality sushi i can't don't yeah don't, don't get me started okay <laughs> how about food when your mom's a flake you've you've dealt with this correct uh i think i was feeding my family of of two my my brother and sister from the time i was like seven and i would make a lot of watered down accident over measured milked uh fucking macaroni and cheese for sure I made it for my babysitters once, and I was like, isn't this so good? And they were like, and they're like no. Yeah. <laughs> did you do craft, or did you do Western Family? Uh, sometimes it was craft. Most of the time it was that Cartonier Western Family stuff. And oh that my is, god, that, that was the worst. That shit is off worst. the hook disgusting. Oh. Yes. You have to add seasoned salt to it. Oh, is that the trick? Yes. My sister was watching Calais and her brother once, and we had I was over there, and we had it, and I was like, I'd rather starve. And that's my, that's actually one of my big problems in my life is that I would rather not eat than have a shitty meal. <laughs> you're the, you're the food critic in Ratatouille. I'm just like, well, fuck it. Whatever. <laughs> I'm like, give me a Pepsi and a handful of shredded cheddar because I ain't eating. <laughs> like uh, the other day I was at Alex's birthday. I took a bite of pe- like free pizza, right? But the sauce was too sweet, and I was like, fuck this. <laughs> oh, no. Where did you get it from? <laughs> Domino's. Domino's has been a hit or miss for me lately. Yeah, like, I I don't know. That sauce was, too, I was like, ugh, ugh. You know what's fucking good pizza, though? What? Little Caesars. The kind I make at my home? Little Caesars, the one by my house was way good, but they closed it because no one would ever, like, they were only hiring meth heads. And, uh, <laughs> but, like, they're Certified not, I mean, methods. Yeah, like, it's, like, sometimes they were there, sometimes they weren't. Their pants were, like, very rarely above their butt cracks, though. Uh, but they always gave me free stuff, which was nice. Um, <laughs> Could be another reason why they closed. Well, yeah, and I when I paid with cash, they were always delighted. I was like, yeah, that's not getting put in the computer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but 
okay, so uh, my sister cooked for us too, but she was very uh, Ob's an amazing cook now, but I think it's because of my mom's anxiety in the kitchen, because. We're going to talk about my mom's anxiety in the kitchen. My mom has major anxiety in the kitchen. I don't really know why. I think it's just my mom has anxiety. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But I remember every time she cooked it being a fucking event (laughs) and me just being annoyed by that. I also know that I was the baby. And so I was cooking for people who actually knew what shit was supposed to taste like. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I had to like, I was in my own episode of the bear in my kitchen (laughs) you know i was like this mac and cheese has to be right like there can't be you know like i remember one time i made a cake and there were eggshells all throughout it i remember i will never forget zach's face ever i'll never forget it and he was very nice about it but i will never as someone who does this professionally will never forget it you know what i mean yeah and i was like seven like you know the fact that the cake rose and was presentable and the it was only a thing miracle. That, it was a miracle. There was eggshells. Okay. But like, I'll, I'm not, I'll never forget it. And I was like, this will never happen again. I remember thinking in my head, this will never fucking happen again. Um, <laughs> so I just made sure because my mom would, when it came down to like the 20s, you know, 25th hour, she would lose her shit. Like we'd have mm-hmm. all the ingredients, but she'd be like, I can't do it. Call it off. So I would just be like, get out of my way. And I'd step in and I'd do it from a very early age mm. like you know birthdays got made you know like my siblings birthdays and stuff happened holidays happened thanksgiving happened because i either calmed her down or i made it happen wow so that was not I, supposed to be put on you by the way yeah but in a way it's made me this i'm, food I'm person, this insane foodie. yeah you're a professional yeah, foodie. In the kitchen yeah and so now sometimes I get that anxiety when I'm like, oh, I got to go up and make cheese potatoes. And I think about back to the yesteryear when my mom's like, oh, my God. And it took us like we'd watch all of like Miss Congeniality, mm-hmm. <laughs> the whole fucking movie while and like the whole like my mom has a huge kitchen and the whole kitchen would be a disaster. And we're making like meatloaf and cheese potatoes. And it's like, what is going on? You know, and I do it now. And granted, I'm a professional. I've gone to culinary school. I have 20 years of experience. I have knife skills. I have all of everything. But I'm also throwing in a ton more ingredients. You know what I mean? Yeah. Nothing ever takes me longer than an hour. None of her it, it, uh, recipes ever take me longer than an hour. Hmm. With the kitchen clean by the end of it. I mean, and I'm saying, like, of course, like, things are in the oven and stuff. Sure. <laughs> but, like, sure. things are in the oven. Things are clean. It's It's hanging out time. So that's been part of... I guess healing as far as food's concerned and having a mom as a fucking flake is kind of doing that. But also it helped me in my career because it's just like, let's just get this fucking done. Like just shut up and get it done. Yeah. Which is a huge personality trait as far as this people in this industry, chefs especially are concerned. It's just like, just shut up and get it done. We'll deal with this after, after service. Just shut the fuck up. I want to hear you say yes, chef and do it. Just get it fucking done. I don't want to hear your excuses. Just fucking go. And (laughs) Ob would call me a tyrant in the kitchen well before I went to culinary school. (laughs) So (laughs) like I've told this story before too, but when my, I got my first restaurant job, um, mom and pop shop the like i said the 
the owner was uh, a mom, a mom, like a, a husband and wife, Janet and Rick. Uh, <laughs> Rick was very hands off. He'd come at night with uh, us high school kids. Um, so the, the people who ran in front of house, the servers, like I just got the way I got the job was the chick who sat in front of me in math class was like, hey, Bobby, come get a job here because I want to cut back my hours. And I was oh. like, shit, yeah. <laughs> so I just drove there after school walked into the kitchen and was like hey janet give me a job and she's like okay (laughs) that's literally how i got this job (laughs) um so janet was like the mayor of the town she chain smoked in the back you're not allowed to smoke in restaurants in utah by the way her and elaine just chain smoke in the back while they're cooking breakfast for the whole town um They're also doing. Do you all know the what crap. I love about Penguage? <laughs> do you remember when Stephen Lee was just like, "This is this town was based on the Jack Mormons. Like they were the rebels of the state, the rebels, yeah. and they just still fucking are. They just are just fucking lawless out there." Yeah, like there's I don't know, like I don't even. And the Flying M has been, by the way, has been around forever. My mom worked there in high school. We worked there at the, at the same age. We both worked there. So it's at this mom and pop shop and uh, it gets, it's like dead during the winter. So they cut us down to like nobody, but it gets slammed. So there's only two people there and we have to like wash our own dishes and all this shit. I learned everything I fucking know as far as work ethic. I mean, I had that Orton Alvy work ethic anyways. Sure. But as far as like just making it happen at this job <laughs> for yeah. sure. Yeah. And I just started as a server and I fucked up all the time, but like Rick, who was, he would just sit up front and not help us at all. <laughs> His name's Hippie. Like that's, this is, this is the environment we're walking into. Okay. His name's Hippie. Like they're Harley people. They start a balloon rally, Harley thing. Um, the Hell's Angels come through town. Like I'm getting hit on by truckers constantly. The Hell's Angels are giving me their room numbers. I'm like 16, 17. I have braces and I'm constantly telling these people, I'm 16, you know, and they're just like, I don't care. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I'm already kind of walking into this. This is just what being the a lion's den. Is. This is, yeah. this is just what this industry is sort of thing. Yes. But I'm also walking every day with like cash. So I feel cash. a certain kind of way. I'm making more than anyone else in my high school. You know, Hell I'm, making yeah, my, girl. I'm making more than my siblings, any of my siblings. Dollar <laughs> like, life. You got it. But I'm also running my ass off and running circles. I remember when I got my sister a job there, she cried. <laughs> you can't hack it, Ob. Get out of here. She's like, giving me a bad name. Saying. She goes, she's in the back crying. I'm like, what's your fucking problem? She's like, I wish you would just say, I get it, Bobby. It's hard. Okay. I get it. I'm like, that's not going to help you. Just get your shit together. Stop crying and go out and do your fucking table. That's not going to slow down. And like, I'm such a dude. Yeah, it's hard for some, like you. (laughs) Well, I mean, she wiped the fucking tears off her face and went and finished it. But I think that was her only restaurant job ever. Like, I ruined her. But uh, (laughs) they're hard. They're hard. I mean, she was a host at Ruby's uh, when she was a teenager. But that's different. I mean, being a host is hard, but being a server is a totally different game. And... I would 100% rather be a host. I was a host at Los Hermanos. They could not give, get me off the host booth. I was just like... <laughs> You're like, nah. No, I do not need to memorize what what Olive looks like means what enchilada is inside. Like, I'm just gonna manage your tables for you. <laughs> <laughs> 
well manage expectations right yes i love doing that shit too you know what's weird though my first serving job until my first 10 years of serving i didn't have a host i didn't have um a busser really sometimes during the summer you were doing real life diner dash while we were playing diner dash (laughs) right and then like my cleanup at the end of the night was like an hour and a half i had to like sweep mop uh vacuum do the till clean the bathrooms like all this shit <laughs> uh do all the dishes roll the silverware break down all the soda machines like it's like are you fuck and then i go to restaurant jobs now and they're like oh you just have you just have to do one thing of side work and then you can get out of here and people are like what do you mean uh, i don't want to do side work when i was a manager i literally just laugh in their face i'd be like you want you really want me to be like back when i was your age do you really want me to go there for you <laughs> I'm like, granted, I made a dollar more than you did. That's true, but um, so when I was in high school, as you all know, I was just going back and forth, and I wanted to be a writer and a director, but I just wasn't making the grades, uh, because shit wasn't transferring, and I also just wasn't taking school seriously. I had other things on my mind, um, and. By the way, Ammon told me that he was going to hold himself accountable and go to school every day for the rest of the year. Oh. And I said, I'm so proud of you. I'm like, if anyone can do it, it's you. And he's like, it's going to be really hard. I'm like, but you can do it, damn it. (laughs) And he's like, all right. Um, So I'd been at the Flying M for like two and a half years. Mm -hmm. And I thought my shit didn't stink, obviously, because honestly, I was cooking. I was... Do I was doing whatever they wanted me to. This is actually one of my uh, shortcomings as an employee. People look at it as a positive. It's actually a negative. I will literally do whatever you ask me to do. I'll run myself short. <laughs> I'll run myself ragged. You know, even when I lived in Richfield, I would drive there on the weekends and work there. Like, I was doing too much. Yeah. Um, but I, you don't need good grades to get into culinary school. And my mom suggested that I go. She offered to pay for my um, admission fee or whatever. That's really cool. And, like, everyone was super supportive. They're like, hell yeah, go. Because I did have a talent. And I went. (laughs) And it fucking sucked. Mm. There's nothing. I I wasn't ready for. First of all, I couldn't serve. I wasn't old enough to wait tables Mm -hmm. um, in scottsdale and that was so part of my like personality because you had to be like 21 or something to be able to serve alcohol you had to be 19 <gasps> what i was 18 you had to be what 19. yeah i so have a very was... david rose look on my face like yeah, yeah i know the whole time and like I, when i would go talk to the people too because they're like you have this already amazing resume and you're only 18 like i would love to put you on the floor but i can't tell you're 18 and i'm like what and they're like yeah it's stupid they're can like, you could so you stupid. host or something I refused to. I refused to oh. host. I didn't know what food running was, so I refused to do that. Like, I didn't understand it, and I was 18, so I was scared. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to be the big fish that I was being a badass server, because I knew yeah. that I could do that. You know yeah. what I mean? It yeah. was an ego thing. I was 18. You know, what can I say? For sure. You're a Taurus. That's understandable. <laughs> well, and I was eight- I was 18. Like, <laughs> let's Yeah, nobody could tell me shit back then. I was like, oh, I've yeah. raised two children by now. Like, fuck off. Well, and I was scared. And I was in the big city, and I just wanted one thing. 
that I knew I could, I was good at. You know what I know? You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. Like I was like, I just need one thing that I can be in my element. Cause I was at the school where everyone was so cutthroat for no reason. I was like, yo, we can all get A's here. We're not getting graded on a curve. Also <laughs> like all. we're not opening competing restaurants on the same block. Like fuck. Right. And, uh, <laughs> So many people there were just rich. They'd never worked in restaurants before. They get pissed that we had to like do our dishes and stuff at the end of uh, at the end of class and stuff. <laughs> and I lost all that love and feeling mm-hmm. for the culinary world. And at the end of we couldn't give our food, we couldn't take our food home. <clears throat> so we had to throw what? it away at the end too. We, so what? much shit was yeah. And when you'd walk out of onto the street there was just homeless people all along the street (laughs) and we were throwing away bread cakes like that i was in patisserie baking but there was a whole side of actually culinary kids making you know beef wellingtons and all this shit and they're just throwing them in the garbage wow not only that we're starving we're starving college kids let us take our food home you know but (laughs) between that and the competition which is just the chef mentality, which I eventually learned to just laugh at, it was just way too much for me. Yeah. And I was also figuring out that my home life, my family life was just so bad <laughs> that I got really sick at culinary school and I kind of, I came home and I went to get a job at the Sagebrush Grill. <laughs> what? what year I, was this? It was 2008. Okay. And, of course, I got a job immediately. Like, we talked shop. Like, I'm so good at talking shop with the chefs, you know. And he's a legit chef. Like, he's very good at what he does. But he was a chef. And, by the way, the year that I went to culinary school was the first season of Top Chef. So, this was just right when all this, the craze of the chef world was coming. Yes. <laughs> like, you know, I was watching... A food network my entire existence everybody else started getting on board and they were like oh yeah 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 like, body I didn't flay know, and stuff yeah i didn't know food network was a thing like my grandma watched it sometimes and sure. your grandpa watched it you know yeah. it wasn't like this sexy mainstream thing until like 2010 yeah so bravo definitely started it with top chef and then it started getting like more mainstream but i remember like of course watching like Julia Child and that Asian guy on PBS who I know his name. He's a great chef. He's an iron chef, but I can't, I'm spacing. (laughs) Um, anyways, so I went to Sagebrush Grill and I was hot off culinary school. Like I was angry at like, first of all, all my, not all my instructors, but a lot of my instructors were idiots. They were assholes. Like they had an ego in of themselves in and of themselves i had this one in particular who was such a dick to me but was constantly trying to impress me it mm-hmm. was very strange who was, <laughs> it was it very i'm not gonna put him on blast but just send me a message so i can no in my in my culinary school oh no, okay no. Um, you talking about at the sagebrush grill and I was like, <laughs> no okay. i'm just saying like i'm coming home from culinary school and i'm just like so disenchanted by this world because mm. like and during culinary school is when I really learned about how crazy sexual harassment is mm. in the restaurant industry. Mm. It came like you in were, with your my, eyes were opened, even though you were I, experiencing it all along. I was experiencing it more with my customers than I was with my coworkers. If that I makes see. sense. Yeah. Because I was working with women 
you know, I was just working with like older women, like, and like the teenage, the boys I went to high school with, you know, <laughs> and they were all scared of me because I was better at their job than they were. You know <laughs> what I mean? So I wasn't experiencing it in the, in, in my, in my company. I was experiencing just like the people that I was waiting on. And then in, I was like one of the youngest ones in my great, in my class. And my first couple of classes was integrated with the chefs and the pastry chefs. And there was so much older guy, older people and younger people, like people who'd been in the industry forever, people who'd seen like, who'd been in Vegas, who'd been in Europe and stuff. And just the culture just hit me like a ton of bricks where it's just like, this is just what you're getting into. And I ended up kind of just feeling really icky. And I was also really in just Scottsdale where women are severely objectified. Hmm. It's all about who can have the biggest boobs and Mm -hmm. all this shit. You know what I mean? It's just very. Is it like a desert rat culture where you're just like, whoever has the most bojangly bracelets on their leather skin? Well, we just call them LA rejects. It's like people with money who don't know how to spend it properly. And then it was also during the time where women were severely getting objectified um, and treated poorly. So I just was kind of like, I need a moment. And then I went to the sagebrush grill and the chick who trained me, um, she told me her name and I forgot it. So I was like, hi, sorry, what's your name again? She wouldn't tell me. (laughs) And then uh, it was just a very toxic culture. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I'm not about to go into this. Like, hell to the no. So I just dropped my stuff off on his back porch. He called me the next day, and I, my mom came and, like, woke me up, and I just didn't even talk to him. I just went and hung up the phone. You were like, hell no. No, <laughs> right. no, no. And then I went back to Panguitch, and I got a job at a steakhouse, another mom-and-pop place, which was just where I was comfortable with, honestly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And tourism was, like, a way for me to travel without traveling because I was yeah. broke. And um, You could talk to all kinds of people, find out where they're yeah, from, what's like. Figure it out. And so I went out to Foster's Steakhouse, um, and I was with, the, like, the, the Tropic people, which was great. I got kind of got to know my dad's people better. And then I went back to the Flying M. I was doing both. And I was more back of house uh, at the Flying M. I was doing prep cook and um line cook and I just got to the point where I just kind of fucking hated it and I was also bringing that sexual harassment culture back to the flying m that's something I did that I wasn't very proud of really yeah but I was also in this mindset of a we're constantly getting sexually harassed in this culture anyways mm-hmm. and when I mean we've talked about when I was 14 and working at the fast food place and the guy would come in and like massages and stuff I was already feeling so raked over the coals by like older men coming in and with the with like the truckers and the hell's angels and all this stuff just constantly getting like whatever I was just like hey you're gonna sexually harass me guess what anything you can do I can do better and that's kind of how I approached the industry for like a decade (laughs) where it was just like you're going to objectify me. I'm going to objectify everyone in this room. Hmm. And I'm going to tell you something very tragic. It helped me advance in my career. Wow. Wow. It, yeah. 
like because I was one of the boys with all the chefs and all the cooks and stuff because I could call back. call a, yeah or call a girl a butterface or whatever um <sighs> you know I could uh grab ass I could play grab ass I could you know I could do what I could do it I could do it all you know it's like I'm I was raised in a trucker family <laughs> you know I've been in this restaurant industry forever you know I've been around the best of them let's fucking play let's fucking dance you want to dance let's fucking dance dude and I advanced very fast very quickly wow and I'm not saying that that's what made me advance obviously I'm a hard-ass worker and I get my shit done but it's also like, oh, she's not a problem. We don't have to worry about her. We can do with her what we will. We can say to her what we want. And she ain't going to say shit. And we mm-hmm. can continue being what we are. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I'm not saying this was necessarily the thing in the Flying M. But I'm saying that I did work with teenage boys, <laughs> you know, who were raised in Mormon culture. Who I definitely know I made uncomfortable um, from time to time. But I also know that I was uncomfortable too. Like we were all making each other uncomfortable. And that's the toxicity of this culture, this environment, this industry, (laughs) is that it's all like this weird game to see who can take it the furthest, you know, which I hate. (laughs) I love it and I hate it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, That's a lot, Bobby. I know. And when I, you know, I, when I was a server, I definitely was just like, it's all like when I came over to the city, I definitely had to keep up with the boys. I had to show that I was just as hard, just as strong. I could carry as much shit, if not more. (laughs) Um, I could take as many tables, if not more. I could, you know, and I was also coddling them constantly, like all this shit, just to make sure that I was in there. Plus getting dirty with them, Mm -hmm. you know, taking things too far, you know. Uh, letting myself be objectified, objectifying them. Uh, it definitely helped me as I transitioned to a bartender because people want that from their bartender for some reason, unless yeah. they don't, unless I'm getting jumped. <laughs> <laughs> unless they're like, stop talking to my boyfriend. Um, and then like I went to Park City and I went from a part-time morning bartender to a full-time bartender on Main Street, to an assistant manager, to a general manager. And I know that I wore low-cut shirts. I know that I shook shook my tits. I know that I made inappropriate jokes. I know that I, you know got too close when I walk by someone sometimes Mm. I know you know I know what I know what I've done because (laughs) I know what industry I work in Hmm. and I know that sitting by and doing nothing is gonna make me a part-time morning bartender forever yeah 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 wow does that make it right sure does it (laughs) Sure doesn't, but... (laughs) But here we are. That being said, when I got... I eventually got to the point where I was fed up, you know? You can only Mm -hmm. play these games for so long. And it also leads to these 
behaviors where you're drinking too much and you're doing coke in the bathroom and you're you know hooking up with people you shouldn't be hooking up with and getting a reputation even you know like Mm -hmm. and people saying like the most recent I wasn't involved in it because sometimes I'm just like I don't want to get involved in it but the most recent case of sexual harassment I was adjacent to at my work was the chef a dishwasher straight up grabbed a girl and we all saw it and we told it like the, the the boss said don't do that like do not do that and the chef was like no it's not a big deal and then the manager was like he's done that to me and he's like well we all know how you are whoa and it's like we have to be as females you have to be a certain way to advance in this industry but when you are that cer- certain sort of way you attract a certain vibe and then when it goes beyond what you want you get told oh well we all know how you are mm-hmm. it's just very frustrating when i eventually <laughs> got fucking fed up i had this um he was like the kitchen supervisor so we had the executive chef we had the corporate okay so in this very small restaurant we had the corporate executive chef the executive chef the chef the sous chef and the kitchen supervisor lots of chefs in this kitchen okay (laughs) and the kitchen supervisor i had my own bar in a room and he would block me in and just stare at me and like give me the eyes and be like Ooh, you like men? Mm, yeah. Ooh, you're so hot. You're so sexy. Da, 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 da. And I'd be like, leave me alone. Like, go away. Go back mm-hmm. to your station. You know, go away. Go away. You know. And like, as I got older, I of course cut the shit with the anything you can do, I can do better. I was like, okay, this needs to chill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> as I got older and wiser, but I also was always still like one of the boys. But like, I would like just shoom away. You know, I'm just like, get out of here. Blah 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 blah. And it was the end of the season. I'd fucking had it. <laughs> and I text the executive chef. And I was like, yo, you need to talk to him. I'd already gotten promoted to assistant manager at another location. Mm-hmm. But I was like, yo, you need to talk to him. Because he's a lawsuit waiting to fucking happen. And I've had it. I'm like, I'm about to fucking kill him. Because this has been going on since I've started here. I've worked here for a year already. I've worked at three locations with him. It's always the same story. Talk to him. I can't mm-hmm. be the only one he's doing this to. <laughs> I don't even want it to be like a thing. They turned it into a thing. Hmm. And then I, genuine be- I genuinely believe if I would have complained before I would have got this promotion, I would not have gotten the promotion. For sure. I know I wouldn't have. And they were even like, well, now you're technically above him. Is this going to be a problem? I'm trying to make it n- not be a problem. Is it going to be a problem? And I'm just like... So they put it back on you. You're just yeah. like, hey, talk to this guy. Tell him to knock it off. All right. Well. And there's so much of me that's just immune and was fighting fire with fire. And I never complained when the chefs and the men in charge were creeps. And the problem that leads... <laughs> that, 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 that The problem that leads is that when you get promoted to manager and start making it an issue and you're like yeah he's been doing this forever mm-hmm. suddenly you're in trouble for not reporting every little thing that mm-hmm. happens to you mm-hmm. as a server and a bartender when in reality if i did actually do that i would have never lasted in that yep. company yep 
so like wow. <laughs> when I complained that there was trouble um, with the behavior in the back of house, I was dismissed that it was the culture of the Mexicans. Um, Mexican men are misogynistic. That's just their culture is what I was told. Problematic on a lot of levels. Victim blaming. Hostile work environment. Mexican Mexican men aren't actually like that. Racism. <laughs> Re- actual racism. Uh, at Buka, when I actually did get a guy terminated uh, for sexual harassment, it was after six weeks of him not seating me. He was my assistant manager and making my life a living hell. Um, I told the GM about it, like, because he kissed me. And I told the GM about it the next day. Mm-hmm. I was like, just so you're aware. And he was like, just don't say anything. I'm going on a vacation in in eight weeks, and I don't want it to affect it. Eight weeks, he asked me to just chill. And <laughs> it wasn't until I had photographic evidence that the guy was stilling and partying on the property that they let him go. Wow. And the And the district manager from Cali labeled me as a bitch. And I found that out from one of his uh, managers from California who came and helped us. He and I ended up up hanging out and he's like, I thought you were going to be a problem because that's what the district manager told me. (laughs) So you you didn't want to be kissed by somebody. I didn't want to be kissed. And then when I told him no, and he stopped seating me, I had a problem with that. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I had no way to advance there. So I fucking burned that motherfucker down as best I could before I left. Good. But that's not That's why you're a little bit confused because when somebody texts you out of the blue with an unknown number, (laughs) you're like, shit. Could be anybody. (laughs) Because they all have this, like, fucked up view because you, like, establish boundaries. You recognizing the toxicity of it, you're like, uh uh, I don't know. Well, and the thing is, is like when he kissed me, I was just like, okay, dude, I'm not into it. Like, it's just yeah. like, not that big a deal. You and like- when I, t- when I told the GM, he was sitting there with us and we were all just kind of laughing about it. And I was like, okay, not a big deal. I'm just not into it. Like, I was just like, just so everyone's aware it happened. Not, a- I'm not making a big deal out of it, but let's move on. Yeah. I was being so cool about it. And then he proceeded to make my life a living hell because he can't take a rejection. Are we for real right now? Wow. <laughs> oh my God. And it was funny, too, because I was working with a lot of my good male friends. at the And, like, they've changed their tune since then. But they were like, I don't want to get involved. And I'm like, you see this go on. We work together. That's the biggest problem, right? It's like people see something and they don't say something. Yeah. Or it's just normalized so, for them. So maybe. But, like, honestly, I've done that, too, where it's just like nothing's going to happen. I don't want to get involved. Because, like, oh, you know how she is. Or that's just how Mexicans are. Or blah, 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 blah. It's just like, and then you're punished for it. Your career's punished for it. Because you're trying to do, and then the thing that annoys me too is like when I talk, like when I like get on the case of these people, it's because in the company that I was working for, they have us sit through these sexual harassment meetings every year. Yes. And then when you're actually doing something about it, they're like, don't do it. And it's like. (laughs) It's interesting to me that they blame a specific race for this mostly because like it's not very introspective of the entire community regardless of who is working in the kitchen like it's not just the mexican people that are sexually harassing people well i mean in this case it was but it was like i was offended by that 
because we have, um, I mean, my godparents are Mexican and I have plenty of Mexicans in my life. And I was like, and also we don't live in Mexico. Right. We live in Park City. We're, we're in Park City, Utah. Let's set a precedence. And that's what I said to him too. I'm like, okay. Like I was raised Mormon and I was able to change. What's your point? Mm-hmm. Like you're just going to let him be misogynistic because he was raised that way. Why don't you help him be better? but I will say I want to give a huge fucking shout out to the Mexican people because if you walk into a kitchen and there are no brown people there you're fucked you you (laughs) turn back out and walk away you don't work there (laughs) you do not (laughs) work there we had this guy named uh, Terrence that he was a white kid and whenever he whatever station he worked you had to make sure to ring that shit in like an hour before you ring anything else in because you weren't getting it (laughs) And then he'd want to sit and talk to you. Oh, my God. And it's like, make my bread! (laughs) And I'm the type of psycho who just goes back. And I'm like, if you're not going to do it, I'm going to fucking do it. Get out of my way. Which is, again, very chef psycho behavior. But it's also like, I'm out there getting yelled at, dude. Get out of my way. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to get yelled at over garlic bread tonight. I'm just not. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So... I was reading an article today that said uh, we're losing fine dining. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, I read an article the other day that was like, why Outback Steakhouse is struggling? And it listed a lot of very good reasons why Outback Steakhouse and most steakhouses and most chain restaurants is struggling is because it's a non-quality. It's unquality. It's like quality so low. Exactly. And you pay top so dollar for, for the bullshit. Gimmick? Yeah, yeah, more for the gimmick than the yes. actual quality of the food. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, in a way, yeah, but in a way, no. I think we just have, I think millennial people who are the most um, prevalent of the workforce at the moment, they want different than what our boomer parents and Gen X parents wanted. They would, they they wanted the gimmick. We want the substance. Okay. Well, bless your heart, because when I say fine dining, I'm definitely not talking about Outback Steakhouse. Oh. Um, <laughs> at all talking about like talking about like fifteen hundred dollars a plate oh well that's because there's less billionaires around i mean Uh, less upper class the middle class is dying so then well there's more billionaires than ever sure but uh i have a few theories okay i was reading an article about it today first of all i just want to share this interaction that said uh One person running a restaurant or something like sushi where you see the value up front with a restaurant size and the interaction with every single ingredient. And then the person goes, but we're uh, going to run out of fish soon. And the other person said, some people will always have fish (laughs) and they'll Mm -hmm. be able to seat their $600 dinners without being bothered by the rest of us. Now, that's a fair statement. Mm -hmm. But you got to think about who is cooking your food. Mm -hmm. It's not rich people. You you would love the menu. I've seen it. I saw it in theater. Oh, let's talk about. I it. actually think the menu is what's uh, one of the big contributing factors to this conversation because it's really opening. People are so over rich people. Yes. And no one more than than the service industry. The people who serve them, absolutely. Yep. yep. Um, 
like we were talking, I had to grab, I picked someone up from Park City today and we were talking about Sundance and stuff. And I was reminded of when I worked for a restaurant group, uh, the person who ran it had a farmhouse where he let people who came in for the season stay there and he charged them rent and stuff. Mm -hmm. But he wanted to not rent that out to them anymore because he made so much during Sundance. And I've had people ask their tenants to move out during Sundance and just figure something out um, because they want to make that money during Sundance. Wow. (laughs) And it's just like, you don't value the help that much. Who is going to serve Sundance? Yeah. People who have to drive in and out. Well, and I've done it. And guess what happened? I commit, tried to commit suicide the week Mm -hmm. later. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying Sundance is all to blame, but I'm saying, Jesus Christ, those 16 hour days sure didn't help. Of just nonstop stress from driving up the mountain into the traffic to constant people, just like the worst people, <laughs> you know, <laughs> from wow. start to finish. Wow. Like, I want a seat with the best of you so that people can see me. But it's like, we're getting to a point where we're treating and, and, this industry, like I'm, I'm right now part, I, I'm angry for a lot of reasons, but one of my anger comes from, I've done the work, mm-hmm. I've gone to school and I'm two decades in and I don't make shit in this industry. Mm-hmm. I should have a house. My car should be paid off. <laughs> I should have a dog. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I should, I should have, you know, I should be able, like, as far as it's said to be like, I've grinded you know, and I've gone to school and I've done everything I was fucking supposed to. This industry does not pay. And I've given my soul, I've given my body, I've given my mind, <laughs> I've given the time. And like, I'm goddamn good at this industry. Mm-hmm. And even if you're goddamn good at this industry, you still don't get shit for it yeah. because people have their nose turned up at this industry. Even the chefs. And I think the chefs go from being peons, like the cooks, and we've all watched it. Like, I love, like, it's funny how I went from hating chefs to, like, absolutely adoring chefs. Because I think when chefs first start out, they're trying to be what the consumer wants them to be until they earn their stripes. And they're like, no, I'm what you're you know i'm what i am and you want me that's what yeah. it is i'm not you know yeah. what i mean and i love when they find their voice like that but <laughs> getting there they're bastards but <laughs> like uh on the way they see all these people treating them poorly all these rich fucks that when they finally be enter god status and all these rich fucks are kissing their balls they want to fucking kill them mm-hmm. you know they want to light it up and I think that's what's going on with the fine dining industry, to be perfectly honest. Like, everyone's so sick of, like, the fakeness, the pretension, the, oh, cool, you can spend. You can spend the money, but do you even know what you're talking about? It's like that time I, uh, <laughs> the guy ordered a $500 bottle of wine, and I actually sent out the $300 bottle of wine. Mm-hmm. And he sat there and talked about it. And he had no idea what he was talking about. But he just thought, since, you know, he doesn't know what he's talking about. He's just showing off his wealth. Yes. And there's something so disgusting about that. 
and my boss. That's why I love like shows like The White Lotus and Mm -hmm. that guy in the menu, the the several of the people in the menu that were just like, do you know who I am? Yeah. (laughs) Yes, we do. (laughs) Well, and like when my boss came back to yell at me about that wine mix up, he knew he wasn't going to get shit from me. Like he knew. Because I'm technically part of the chef crew, where it's just like, whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry that you got such a pretentious crew out there, dude. I don't give no fucks. I'm going to turn up the Rage Against the Machine. He can come back and talk to me about it if he wants. <laughs> you know what I mean? So he didn't like, recognize what? Um, he no. Didn't... He, uh-uh. This just, just shows the type of people that are getting these meals. It's not true food lovers. Right. Fine dining has turned into something completely different. And the people who are actual artists, the chefs, are getting pissed off about it. Mm -hmm. I like that one that's like, you've been here six times. What is one thing that you've eaten here? (laughs) He can't say anything. He's like, I'm just here to masturbate. Yeah, no shit, huh? God, that guy was such a creep. But like, also, like every character in that movie was perfect. Yes. Even the chef, even his little minions. Yes. Yes. Everyone was great. Yep. But yeah, I think I love that fine dining is declining. And I love that you think Texas Roadhouse is fine dining. Also, I'm very excited about I it. I wonder <laughs> what you were saying. Because I was like trying to say that you you said declining, right? Mm-hmm. I thought you were said. I don't on the rise. Is that what you meant? Was that what I meant? Like it's uh, on the up uptick? It doesn't matter what I say. You know why? Because I'm on a little bit of weed for today. So. A little bit of marijuana will go a little ways. Um, thank God for weed, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> That's gotten me through a lot of... Everyone in the, in the restaurant industry is on the weed or coke. Everyone does coke. <laughs> I just... <laughs> since knowing you and hearing all the backstories about uh, restaurant culture, mm-hmm. I look around me so often and I'm like, people are just fucking high right now. Yeah, like, but you gotta be. This is, um, we're not getting it because they're just high. Maybe they're having a rough day. I will just, you know, politely ask again. <laughs> honestly, no, honestly, the, uh, the industry is bad right now. And it's because all of us good folks, the people who actually know what we're doing, we're holding our ground. We're like, we're not working right now. Or we're like going on vacation or we're only getting the good shifts or whatever. We're, we're making people suffer right now. Yeah. Which is very good. We that's what we need to be doing, um, because well, a also, lot of there's just what? a lot of surplus in low quality. Great, yeah, low quality, yeah. garbage options right now, and I'm. It is not exciting to eat out anymore. It is more exciting to make your own food. Yeah. So. Yeah. And the people who have kept it up have still got it. Like, and that's the thing that is a shame because eating out. Getting together with your friends and eating out is, like, one of the funnest things on the planet. For sure. I love... Before the pandemic, I used to get, like, big groups of people together. Like, we'd get, like... I'd get, like, six to eight people together, and we'd go to dinners. And it was people that I knew, but they didn't know each other. Hmm. (laughs) Like, some people knew each other, but, like, I made it so, like, people got to know each other. Yeah. And it was just a fun thing that we did every couple months. And it was just fun because... All my friends are interesting, I feel, <laughs> for their own reasons. Some of them are very weird reasons, but they're all interesting for one way or another. And food is just the great, yes, you know, community builder. Mm-hmm. And I love for that sure. about 
I love that, like, it, food and music. And that's true about, like, I mean, we talk about this. Like, if you want to get to know someone, you go mm-hmm. talk, like, you go talk to them while they're cooking. Mm-hmm. You go shoot the shit with them while they're making their meal or something. You know what I mean? Like, I love getting to know someone through the generation that they were born in. So I know what music they were listening to. Yep. And their favorite foods. When I'm low-key flirting with girls online, I'm like, okay, so are you a Backstreet Boys fan, a Jonas Brothers fan, a One Direction fan? Like, what am I working with (laughs) (laughs) generational-wise? Anyway. Black Sabbath. (laughs) Um, So, like, very similar to what you just said, but, like, I think small gatherings are on the rise partly because of the pandemic where you had to have little pods. Mm-hmm. Um, but before that, even I loved like hosting like a tea party or a movie night where I made like a bunch of food. And like, I think that is really on the rise for sure. At least for me, maybe I'm just getting invited to more parties. I don't know. Well, I mean, I'm the type of person. I just don't like people in my space. Sure. I feel like it like takes, it just throws off my energy feng shui. Which sure. is surprise like after people get out of my car after lift, I roll down the windows to change oh. them, like to get get rid of their energy. Interesting. Like, yeah, like energy my energy is like mine. Um so that's well, what I why admire I like, about that about you. That's why I like going out to eat. And like there's spots like Makai and I always go to Red Rock and we sit at the sure. bar and we know everyone there. And whether the food's I mean the food's good most of the time. Sometimes it's a miss, but like it's not even necessarily the food, but even though the food is good, thank God. But like, it's it's the company, it's the it's the company, it's the atmosphere, it's the memories, the event of it's, coming together, yeah. yeah, yeah. But having the food be amazing, knowing the chef, having the chef send stuff out, knowing the bartender, having the bartender send stuff out, like I love the experience of being a player in the industry and mm. going to like. When I worked in a restaurant group, going to someone else's restaurant within the group to, like, my favorite chef's place, <laughs> having them be like, here, I made this specially just for you. Like, uh, Stan is um, – he, he's a fish salesman now, but he learned how to roll sushi in San Francisco from a Japanese man. That's incredible. Yeah, and he – did sushi at sushi blue in park city and so like when i'd go in and just like be chilling he'd send me just something he put together and it's like that's so there's just something so lovely about that and that's his love language because he's a bastard (laughs) (laughs) and most chefs are and so like when they send you a plate of something or you know i've talked about blake handing me the spoon of foie gras that i'll never forget and foie gras is disgusting like the the idea of foie gras i don't even know what you're saying Foie gras is um, drunken uh, duck liver. But the way he prepared it, texture, it had blueberry. It was delicious. And the way that he just came and was like, here, I made you this foie gras. It was so, so like, it wasn't fancy. There was nothing fancy about it. It was on a plastic spoon. We were in the kitchen. It was after service. He came into my bar and he was just like, here, I made this for you. And it was just so lovely. And so comforting and so caring how he, like, he was, you know, he's a bastard too, you know, (laughs) (laughs) but he was showing me, I care about you. Here's some foie gras. And it was just a bite, a a very perfect bite that I'll never forget. And it's just certain things like that. that This is why I love this industry. 
why I'll probably never leave this industry, why I struggle with it, <laughs> because mm-hmm. there are a lot of misunderstood souls here, myself included, where we've all learned and grown together. And I think the long hours together kind of help with the ther- like the therapeutic stuff. Like there's a lot of like misfits, gelbirds, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, tattooed fucks, yep. people who cheat on their wives. You know, hot the, people, attractive things. people. Oh my god. Oh my god. Some sometimes I have to remind myself that I'm on a date with my husband because I'm like, who the fuck are these handsome ass people? Okay. I'm yeah, not like, looking, but okay. I think my chef fetish is over, but I had a very serious chef fetish for like ten years, and like it was bad. It was that I just think... a subdom thing that you're just like, I just like being told what to do. No, I think it would be me telling them what to do because I know because they're so demanding in the kitchen that when it came to the bedroom, they would be like, they'd they want to like, be cook. whipped. They would want to like cook for me and rub my feet. <laughs> <laughs> they'd be very loving, I feel. Um, but the pandemic also, I kind of wanted to go on that. It just kind of wrecked me. <laughs> the pandemic has made a monster out of all y'all customers. You guys need to wreck, check yourself before you wreck yourself because. <laughs> Eventually, we're all going to get tired of y'all. Okay? What's going so, on? What's the vibe? What is what is What are people bringing into the mix that remember, you don't like? Remember the like weekend of the pandemic when it first started? It was the weekend of Friday the 13th, March 13th, 2020. I remember. I know, because that's like the day that I was supposed to have my daughter's birthday party. And I remember... So Suze was my assistant manager. She was in France climbing. So I was alone. <laughs> like I was, and I, so that, that was in and of itself was hard. I had the biggest restaurant out of the restaurant group, like size wise, 50 employees. Um, and you just remember how things were just developing, right? Developing, yeah. developing. Yeah. And by like Sunday, we were that was our last day we were closing and this is a restaurant that takes like three days to three to five days to close on in normal circumstances but mm. they wanted us to shut down on sunday while we were still open hmm. but people were still coming in people were still coming in people were still coming in and I didn't have any moral support because me and my chef were in a fight of a lifetime. Like mm. he and I had been fighting for a year because his, his staff was fucking sexually harassing my staff and I'd had it, you know? So, and he was getting, you know, the Mexican defense. So, um, I was alone and I was only reserving my energy for my staff. The customers mm-hmm. could go fuck themselves. Mm-hmm. We were told to sanitize every piece of furniture in the restaurant. Wow. So we'd sanitize the section, close it. Mm-hmm. And I remember this group came in and we put them, they were a six top. So we put them in a booth and they wanted to go to this table that had already been sanitized. And I was like, they're like, we want to sit there. And I'm like, too bad. We already sanitized it. I'm like, we're closing. The, it's a pan, we're in a pandemic right now. You have been reading the news, right? And they're like, I guess. Like, they were just being dicks about it. And I'm like, no, you cannot sit there. And they're like, why are you being such a bitch? I'm like, well, you're not going to get me fired because I'm already laid off. And I just had to lay off my whole entire staff. So you can sit here and eat or not. Good for you. Like, And I walked off. And uh, one of the Josies was waiting on him. 
And they're like, she's a bitch. And she's like, she just had to fire us all. We're closing the restaurant. Like, are you serious? Mm -hmm. Like, have some goddamn compassion. And I walked outside because <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to kill these motherfuckers, you know? <laughs> Mm -hmm. And then they ended up tipping Tony fat and they like tried to like talk to me on the way out. And I was like, no, I'm not talking to you. Like I'm not mm -hmm. reserving any of my energy mm -hmm. for anyone but my staff. Like mm -hmm. if I would have had my assistant manager here, maybe, but I don't. So all they, the only people are getting my energy is my staff because everyone's fucking terrified right now. And um, so it was just like, whatever. And then after you know, we had, we got shut down at first. Like no one knew a lot of my staff didn't get any unemployment because they were living off tips. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Some of them were J one. Some of them were seasonal. So they weren't mm -hmm. making, they weren't there long enough to make any kind of money. Like I told you, I, both my stimulus that I got, I just sent out to my staff, yeah, you did. even though I, <laughs> you know, even though I ended up not working there, I still was like, I don't care. Like I was helping those guys out and stuff. It was just like scary, but like, when we came back, because people had to come back, people were so desperate they had to come back. I was at an advantage where I was like, well, I don't need to come back. I'm not coming back. Mm -hmm. But people were just continuously awful. And it seemed like only the unvaccinated were going out. And because of capitalism, people were bending to their will, letting them be awful, letting them treat mm -hmm. stuff like crap. Mm -hmm. all while these companies were getting these PPE loans, trying to cut staff's yep. wages and yep. trying to get them to work more hours without overtime. Yep. Oh my God. And I'm just sitting here like, and of course I'm still hearing about it. Like I talked about how it took the executive chef, his dumbass minion who I should have got that job, but I have tits. So I didn't, which mm -hmm. is a whole other thing. Mm -hmm. And then the assistant manager it all sat so they all sat there and talked about whether or not they should lower the main fucking the minimum wage <laughs> no the because i our our main um busser is a middle-aged woman with three kids and i would raise her i'd give her like a 50 cent raise like every three three months because duh yeah and also the place would burn down when she wasn't there mm -hmm. <laughs> and they sat there and they're like, we need to cut her by like a dollar fifty at least. She's making way too much. It's like, are you stupid? Mm -hmm. It's just like, it's so stupid. I, I can't. I can't. <laughs> but before the pandemic, the customer was always wrong. The customer continues to always be wrong. Y'all, let us do our jobs. I know you want every place to be Cafe Rio. It ain't. Oh my God. And Cafe Rio is killing me right now because they're they're not good anymore no have you looked have you noticed how every restaurant right now the door that you walk into is just covered in fingerprints yes that's how you know like i don't eat out anymore it's disgusting i'm gonna look up the customer is always right saying that's some like boomer shit if i ever saw it Hailed as the definitive rule of customer service, the phrase the customer is always right was coined by Harry Selfridge in the early 1900s. Oh, <laughs> I was wrong. I'm sorry, boomers. Extra boomers. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but the customer is never right. Right? Like, 
Sometimes they're I, right. I don't think we should be putting definitives on anything in life ever. <sighs> That's where I'm at. But I also think that, I mean, I've, I know I've told this story before, but the guy that got up used his drink that he'd already drank out of to scoop ice up out of a drink station. He had a server and then get his own drink. And then when I told him to sit his ass down, I didn't say ass. I was like, dude, sit down. Is your server not helping you? And he's like, yeah, she's I'm like, okay, we'll let her get your drink for you. And then he called me fat in the one star review mm-hmm. he gave us. Mm-hmm. It's like, what are you doing? And he just thinks he's just right. And then the people that I gave a lift drive to from uh, Park City, they were great, by the way. But they were like, yeah, we saw a lot of rich white dudes having tantrums. Like this guy missed his shuttle slammed his skis in the middle of the lobby started stomping his feet and said he was going to punch the shuttle driver and he's had it and da 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 and it's like you're going skiing mm-hmm. in Park City like calm your tits it's a free shuttle ride you can yeah. wait five minutes yeah. but this is just stuff like people just think they can act this way and it's yeah. like the things I've been called the pe- thing, way I've been treated over like tacos yeah yeah like no one's hurt <laughs> you know, you might have been inconvenienced for a minute. Look around, check your surroundings. Some people have bad days. Have you never had a bad day in your life? But the way that people just think they can get worked up over food, especially in how they just lose their minds over like to to like high school kids and college students, you know. Yeah. Um the thing about the customer always being wrong is I think I learned that in maybe sales or something. I don't know. I looked it up and it says the customer is almost always wrong in regards to the product or service they're receiving or have received. They are often ignorant, often obnoxious, and will often lie to get their way. And um, just an example given was just like this customer was adamant that they're right. So they listened to the recording of what actually happened together. And then anytime he brought it up that that's not what happened then they're like oh do you remember should we play the thing back again for you like (laughs) the customer isn't always right because the customer is usually trying to get something you know have you ever used the um like have you ever pulled the card where it's just like yo i want to be comped for this or have you steered steered clear of that practice uh yeah i've done it once yeah i've Um, i think i've done it twice but um, one of them was for Uber. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, no, they got my order wrong. And I stood and waited for 25 minutes after the time that you said it'd be ready. And like, this is all wrong. So please compensate me. Well, let's actually talk about Uber Eats real quick. Okay. Uh, I battled with them when I ran a restaurant. I absolutely, they are terrible for mom and pop shops. And we should do everything in our power not to use them if you can. If you can get away with not using them, please try to. Mm. Uh, Grubhub, Uber Eats, they're all terrible. They try to uh, corner the market. And if, so I'm going to use Park City as an example because this is where I was. So I understand that I worked for a restaurant group and we had eight locations, but we were still mom and pop. Um, We were mom and pop corporate is what I called it. Um, So they wanted us to get on an automatic, um, like they can do it online thing. And what they do is they take, I think, 40%. Oh, like a chow now type of thing. Yeah. Okay. They take 40% of the profit, or maybe it's 60. And, um, okay, so what happens is 
And I'm about to be like a dick when I talk about all this. I'm about to get snooty, okay? Yeah. Uh, in Park City, no one's trying to do Lyft. No one's trying to do Uber Eats. Like, it's a bunch of rich people. Mm-hmm. And everyone who is the help is at work making your food and waiting tables and stuff. They're not driving around doing Uber Eats. So um, what ends up happening is everyone's calling to get this Uber Eats and they're doing the orders because what they did was they'd call and order it like they were, they would pretend like they were just customers. They wouldn't say they were Oh. But we knew that it was because of the area code and also it was like an Indian, like from India. Mm. It was like a call center, you know? Mm-hmm. So what I would do, which I didn't tell anyone ever, <laughs> but I told, except for my host, I was like, when they call, this is what we do. We put them on hold. And then when they call again, we put them on hold again. And then they cancel the order because what ends up happening is um, they usually get the order wrong. Mm. So we end up having to remake it anyways. Mm-hmm. My hosts get yelled at. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what usually for real ends up happening is no one picks it up because no one's up there doing Uber Eats. So the food gets made, the order the gets, gets canceled. Yeah. We just have to eat it. Wow. So we're, wow, um, that's very insightful. And the absolute real reason why, uh, why your food is always shitty when you get it actually. Cause you're like, I didn't really benefit from this service. Right. And it's super expensive. And also, uh, it became a problem, too, because the way they got people to come up, I don't know how Uber Eats got people to come up. People that they ended up getting to come up were, like, meth heads that were, like, casing the place. And people were getting robbed. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Like, people would go drop off their food at, like, these nice Park City mansions and stuff, maybe get a gate coat or whatever. Oh, my God. You know what I'm saying? Oh, my God. So I is an entire rom-com by itself. I went on a full campaign because fuck corporations. You know, you you know me. I'm punk rock. You know, as Mm -hmm. I say, I like to say I'm punk Mm -hmm. rock. Mm -hmm. You are. Even though I've been listening to country all day. Let's not let's not front. (laughs) Listen, we can be multidimensional beings. Okay. Right. So I don't use them ever. I, I try not to, but I remember one time my boss was like, Jesus, at the at their other like nicer upscale location, he's like, it was a slow night and we lost $500 in crop up orders that didn't get picked up. What? And I was like, in food, in food cost. Holy shit. Yeah. And like, they don't tell you, like, you should be able to be like, hey, Grubhub, you owe us for this. But yeah. it's just like someone who didn't come pick up their order because they're just like, oh, this is the name. You know? So. Well. And so they were they're kind of like trying to like strong arm us to make us get the app. But it's also like if we get the app, we're also going to lose all this money anyway. Yeah. It's like it's not yes. worth it. So. No. Yeah. Fuck. Fuck those. Fuck those places. Fuck them. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Well, I guess I'm getting in my car in a snowstorm then. Know, Usually I'm just right? like, hey, if somebody's desperate enough to deliver me sushi in a snowstorm, they deserve the tip. And I tip them for sure. Yeah, I definitely tip your drivers and stuff because they're not getting tipped. But that also sucks too because my hosts were making a shit ton of money before Grubhub came into town. Because I'm good at being like, all right, 
you leave here's a tip sign it like i would always do it you know and i think it's fine i think you should tip your host if they're putting your orders together throw them some money throw them a couple bucks mm-hmm. it's not gonna kill you mm-hmm. i'm not saying i'm not we, we okay and we paid our hosts but i'm just saying if someone's putting your shit together be a, be courteous yeah. <laughs> and give them you know and smiling and being nice to you just throw them a dollar or so it's not that big a deal um Especially because it's weird that your self-worth is tied up in that. When mm-hmm. you're working for tips, if you don't get tips or you get a shitty tip, you're just like, fuck. So, like, an extra dollar won't hurt you, but it might throw off someone's whole shift. As stupid as that sounds, I know. But it's also, like, this is another thing that sucks. The pay. Mm. The pay sucks. I've been going off about the pay this whole episode. But I also can make a shit ton of money. Wait, uh, with tips like I think the tip tipping sucks but minimum wage is so bad and the way the, the every everyone's making so shitty money right now mm-hmm. that people are going back to bartending and going back to serving because it's in your hands it's all about your charisma it's about how you shake ass it's all about how quick you clear your tables and get you know turn and burn yeah it's, it's all in your hands <laughs> so people are going back to it because sitting at a desk and making $15 an hour is feels hopeless sure at least there's some hope in knowing that you know maybe you'll get 10 tables in an hour you know yeah so i don't know was this episode insightful at all or did i just ram absolutely no 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 no. do not ever question your ability (laughs) to hold an audience captive (laughs) with my gun (laughs) <laughs> With your storytelling, this whole time I've been like, if I could just fucking tell a story like Bobby, instead of being like, here's the timeline of women's rights, this will be interesting <laughs> to listen to. Hey, I, I, I edited that episode and I thought it was very interesting. And I'm right. also always surprised at how much history I just know. It's the autism. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I like history. It's what I'm into. Well, as long as people are willing to grow with me, maybe in a couple years I'll figure it the fuck out. But also, I mean... We're going to have some episodes where facts are facts. Well, <laughs> to be left. fair, you just leave. To be, to be fair, these are facts. I mean, I'm not, I'm, I, yeah. I wasn't saying reading myself too. Like, I'm just saying that if I were to host a, a thing, I'd be like, I read somewhere, something probably on a TikTok that uh, the fact is that, uh, well, let me just find it. And then like, that would be the oh. entire episode. And I'm like, here's what I know because it's in my brain. Yes. So <laughs> I don't know if that's good though. I, you know, I, you know we, we make a good pair. I feel like I chime in sometimes <laughs> with a so little antidote here and there. I wanted to we say learned... that um, eggshells in your food tastes a whole lot different when your kid makes you scrambled eggs. It's cuter. It's a lot more tolerable, as in, like, I actually ate it, instead of being like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> yeah, I don't think Zach was, I think Zach thought it was cute, too. For but sure. I remember his eyes getting big, because we all got those big Alvy eyes. Yeah. And then looking at Those, those look like your was... face is like, I know exactly what you're thinking. And it was, it was a, it was a chocolate cake, obviously, because, again, we're Alvy's, and I could see the white, like, a ton of white shells. Oh. I must have gotten, like, half of a... Uh, half of a shell in there yeah and then like whipped it up yeah and i was just like oh my god so (laughs) it was no he wasn't a dick about it i just remember that look so i yes 
but yes, it is cuter when it's uh, when it's your kid. Oh, your four-year-old is like, can I please crack the eggs? And I'm like, I just want one breakfast. <laughs> yeah, but I'll tell you too. I can't tell you. I'm like a master cracker now because I've spent so much time getting those little pieces of egg shells. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. And I, I'm still paranoid because I used to do it in a, a separate uh, bowl to make sure. Yes. Because I was so paranoid about it. Yeah. And I still sometimes do, but I still I mean, it's rare for it. me too. Um, are you eggs. a uh, edge cracker or a flat top, like the tabletop cracker? I usually do two at a time, too. So you can do a one-handed... Of course you can. But, like, yeah. do you crack it on the edge? It doesn't matter. I can do both. Oh, you can. Yeah. I find if I crack it on the, like, corner of something, I get way more shells than if I just do it flat and then, like... I feel like I can also crack it with my hand, too. Oh, hell yeah. How big but, are those I hands? Mean, again, 20 years and, a, you know, culinary school. So you're yeah. just like... Yeah, and I remember, see, this is another thing, too. This is why, I guess, I guess I got to say that Janet and Elaine, though they were chain smokers, uh, <laughs> were good. They were good role models for me because I remember skipping, <laughs> skipping school my junior year and going down to the Flying M and just shooting the shit, drinking Folgers coffee, Folgers, and uh, while they prep cooked and just watching Elaine crack the shit out of those eggs. That was that was more important to me than culinary school. I, I taught that taught me more than culinary school, and um, being like I'm gonna beat her one of these days. And I remember prep cooking after culinary school in that same kitchen and feeling like I beat her. Probably didn't, but <laughs> and you like smelled the smell of smoke, and you, you knew that she was <laughs> congratulating you once again. Yeah, uh, Janet did die uh, when I was in Maryland at, at uh, being a nanny. Um, she died of lung, lung cancer. Shocker. But there's nothing like I gave my mom shit for smoking so much for sure. But um, I feel like there's nothing more uh, cozy to me than like a chain smoking grandma type person. I genuinely feel like she enjoyed it. Like, I don't feel like she was like, shit, I need to quit smoking. Like, I genuinely feel like she's like, I have a three pack a day habit and I love it. Yeah. No. Yeah. Like, <laughs> There was always a cloud of smoke in her car <laughs> and like her house was always super clean and stuff too. It wasn't like it was like gross or anything. She was sure. always super clean. She was always like made up and stuff. She, she looked actually looks a lot like David Bowie, which I love. <laughs> and <laughs> I do smoke weed on at her grave a lot. So rest in peace, Janet. I love you so much. That's so nice. She yeah. No, was, uh, many of awesome. chain smoking cool ladies. And yeah, they always and got the best did. advice, too. Like, honey, you don't need to put that in your life, blah, blah, blah. So well, cool. and I remember her, too, like, when I would start panicking when I was waiting tables, her just putting her hand on my back and saying, what do you need? And I carried that as a manager. I remember, I remember using a lot of her techniques as a manager. I remember her also being like, bring your fucking homework here and do it when we're slow because I don't want you failing school while you're working for me and I did the same shit with my kids I was like bring it I'm like there's always someone smart here who can help you so just yeah. bring it that's so good so I, love, I think restaurants I are very important your war stories about the restaurant industries for sure 
Yeah, and I feel like I did talk a lot of shit, but I gotta say there's so many important moments, like, even just, like, during the winter, we would just sit and do puzzles, and my friends would come, like, I worked with Elaine's son and Janet's son. They were the cooks, and it was me serving, and um, Rick would come if we were busy, (laughs) but, like, we would just do, like, these 5,000-piece puzzles all winter, and then, like, our friends would come and hang out with us, and we would just drink a shit ton of hot chocolate and eat pie and just listen to oldies and just talk shit and watch the trucks drive by. And it was just, like, weirdly homey and good for us, I think. And also that work ethic. I can't tell you how important and grateful I am to just have that giddy up in my step where it's like, let's just get this fucking shit done, you know? Mm -hmm. Let's get it done. And then (laughs) I think a thing I do really appreciate about the restaurant industry too is that having the childhoods that we had we do kind of need that essence of chaos. Yes. There's there's parts there's parts of us that we kind of need chaos in our life. You feel and at home because the cortisol. This is part of the book I'm reading. Uh, the cortisol stress level, if it's firing at a place, then that starts to feel like the norm. And so if it's out of whack, you kind of crave the uh, a little bit more chaos. So you feel good. Well, and I feel like that's kind of what's helped me because I feel like my brothers went through a very violent anger stage, especially Zach. And, um, you know, Ob kind of got a little scandalous <laughs> there with Anne and stuff. And, you know, I was a shit, of course, but I feel like the restaurant industry kind of helped me stay more mellow um, because I, my chaos was my job and I went to work every day and, you know, busted it out, said wild things and did wild things and then <laughs> went home and was a normal girl. You you know? Laid in bed comfortably, loving comfortably your life. <laughs> with my... Uh, my stack of cash on my bedside table <laughs> and your crybaby oh. sour teardrops <laughs> crunchy to crunch crunch oh my god right and that's another thing too is i food that's another th- the restaurant industry has also made me just not want food ever it's probably helped me with my stomach issues because it's just like i'm always smelling food so i never want it <laughs> you think that's helping you because well i just think i would always have issues no matter what yeah but it would probably sure. be way more painful if i hadn't worked in the industry because i'd be like i hate like i eat like it, i would probably be like way more fat too if, you know I, maybe i wouldn't maybe i'd actually be healthier i don't know but, i want to know if there is a happy medium for you is there like a vision of you doing something on your own that brings you joy and not is not necessarily toxic that helps you has you utilize all your skills or is it just something that you feel consigned to deal with for the rest of your life i think that it's i know that i've made this industry better so uh with my work i mean i with my struggle like it's, it's uh, with all the struggle like has it been worth it I mean my back hurts (laughs) but like I know that I know with uh, the shit that I have done you know even when I like anything you can do I can do better with the sexual harassment thing I know that that was more of an educational thing where it's like do you realize what you're doing Mm -hmm. you know Uh, so I don't know but it was also it was also a survival tactic I know uh, the past 10 years have been, I guess would say like the past seven years have been 
much more turbulent because I've just had enough. Like, I'm not going to watch this shit go on. I'm not going to watch people be bad. Especially because I can see the good in people and making someone feel trapped in their bar and telling them that they're sexy. You're better than that. You know, Mm -hmm. I know these guys are better than that. And I know that this industry is crazy and it's fun and I love it. And of course there's some wildness to it, but there's, we can definitely pull back and not have the crazy too. Mm -hmm. But also the first chapter of Anthony Bourdain's kitchen confidential I think the first sentence is, I knew I wanted to be a chef when I saw <laughs> a chef fucking a bride on her wedding night. Sure. He walked in on a chef fucking the bride on a wedding night. Like, there's that's part of what attracts, and it takes all kinds, right? So I don't know. You know? <laughs> mm-hmm. So is there a happy medium for you? I, I, would you open your own spot? Yeah, if I didn't have to run it, I would. Like if I actually Micaiah and Kevin and I talk about opening our own place. If I had it with like trusted people, I would. Um, but I think if I got to a point where like I had, if I could bankroll one and put someone in charge that I trusted that shared the same ideals that I did, mm-hmm. that I could kind of go in and help when needed and stuff. But like, I'm kind of hands off. That sure. would be more ideal for me. Well, you I would like write all the protocols and maybe you would, hand select the help and stuff like i feel like you'd be very hands-on and very supportive of a place that you're running instead of just like letting it run wild i guess right and i think that um something that the difference between like country and city is like in the country menus never ever change (laughs) and up in the city every season um the chefs sit with each other do tasting menus yeah they roll out something new and like and this is this is important this is an importance of mills when we are fighting within the staff we will sit down and do family mills yep and that makes it so we can all sit down and shoot the shit and stuff and that's a good way to make the the cooks and stuff um not lose like not make it so mundane you know what i mean yeah i would like to open a spot that's like not super crazy let's you know switches it up has a few staples yeah um has a good environment pays well kind of like provisions i don't know what that is oh well i gotta take you i guess i I think it's our anniversary (laughs) (laughs) i think we're it'll be our third our three-year anniversary sweetheart oh yeah three yeah fuck i know right all right it's been a while (laughs) But yeah, I uh, I'm actually excited to see fine dining leaving too. I think it's gonna be funny as fuck. So bring it, bitch. Fine dining, but then we will elevate the experience for the the regular people down here. People gotta understand. I don't know. I feel like every time I eat super gourmet, I get like the shits more than usual. Okay, I remember what I was saying with the the Texas Roadhouse thing. You were saying fine dining is declining. And I was saying places like Texas Roadhouse and Outback Steakhouse are failing because millennial people want a different experience. And so in my opinion, what fine dining is to me is a place that 
the menus change its experience it's not crowded it's like uh there's not people dancing in the aisles type of thing yeah, and that's like, not fine dining. That's just that's just uh, not restaurants. Chain, chain restaurant. Yeah. So like, and I don't know if this is because I'm just in an older st- phase in my life where mm-hmm. I recognize that Applebee's just ain't it, and like that was twenty year old people shit, and now I'm in my thirties and I like go to a bar and experience a menu type of thing. It might be, I don't know, my class. I don't know. Well, okay. Um... So fine dining is actually a style. Fine dining is the way you place the napkin. It's the way you pour the drink. Oh. It's the way the um you place the it's it's a whole it's the way you the whole the plate. It's okay. the way it's service. It it's is the, the pomp and circumstance of uh, it's the show, the well, ceremony. Least, yeah the ceremony and also like you saw how he came on the menu and did it's like a tasting menu every he came and told you explained the story. yes yeah. and like everyone the the plate gets removed every everyone gets the plate removed sort of thing hmm. that's fine dining and also i hate fine dining i people people have been trying to get me to serve fine dining my whole career and i'm like fuck no nope won't ever won't do it and they're like, there's so much money in it. And I'm like, I don't care. Like, that's actually part of my problem in this industry is I will not sell my soul. Mm. Like, okay, yeah, I definitely could make 500 bucks a night doing fine dining. Maybe I should, but I also can't sit in a room with these people. <laughs> like, Is that why you didn't worst... want to work at Edison House? These are the worst kind of people. Yeah. yeah. I can't do it. Um, and like, it's like this guy with the $500 bottle of wine versus the 300 Mm-hmm. Like, I bet he told my boss he wanted me fired. And my boss was like, yeah, I'm going to go do it right now. And then he came back and we, like, giggled. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? But it's like, I can't deal with it. And, like, when I would go out to, like, do stuff, because I, I had, like, a service bar when I worked on Main Street. So I wasn't out with the people. But sometimes I'd go out and do stuff sometimes. The amount of, like, plastic surgery, the conversations I'd pick up. Like, I would kill someone if I had to do that. Like, legitimately, for the safety of the public, I'm not going to do fine dining. Is what I'm trying to get at. (laughs) I see. So then what would you call the experience that I'm talking about? Because, like, clearly, there's then a different class that I'm unaware. And then there's, like, the Texas Roadhouse. And then there's, like, the fast food. There's a fast food, fast casual, casual dining. What's in the middle between that and fine dining? It's just, like... It's just like going out to eat. It's just like restaurants. That's just what a restaurant should be. Hmm. But we're raised in these weird ass places where everything's a chain. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Because everything that's being built is like, hey, we're a chain from California. We're a chain from the Midwest. We're a chain from, yeah. Like, I didn't know Buco was a chain until I went there and did my training. And then I was disgusted. But I was like, well, Mikhail works here and I'm in love with him. So I'm going to (laughs) stay. But like, I never wanted to work in a chain ever. That's the only chain I ever worked in. And it was like, a, it was an, it was an elevated chain until it wasn't, but like, it was an elevated chain, but like chains, uh, uh-uh, they go against everything I believe in. <laughs> like these, uh, you want to, you want a mom and pop shop. I'm down with like a mom and pop shop, like a Maria's two or something. You know what I mean? Oh fuck. I love Maria's Maria. I love Maria too, as a person. Um, <laughs> but what is okay. So then like, that's just a restaurant. That's, that's a, a local restaurant. restaurant. Yeah, with a show. I mean, and most restaurants, like, I was very surprised to see that most restaurants had chefs. Yes. Because I came, 
I came from a place where a husband and a wife are like, well, that restaurant's for sale. Let's buy it and make the best of it. Yep. And then they just are just doing fryer to freezer, freezer to fryer. Yep. And everyone in town's like, well, it's somewhere to eat. Yep. And then they do like one or two things that are like homemade or yeah. signature <laughs> that get them by for decades. You know what I will always fuck with? What? Those pizza sticks at Bullies in Monroe. I'll, I'll fuck with a bully burger till my dick falls off. <laughs> Especially after a day of drinking in Mon- Monrovian Park. Hell yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> no, when I go into town, I'm like, can we go to Bullies? And everybody just knows I want a pizza stick. I want to be five years old with a elongated, deep fried hot pocket. I'll tell you. I, cr- I Dip it in my water the- ranch. <laughs> I came up with the name Side Saddle while I was waiting for my bully burger to cook. Oh my God. What? True story. What deeply sad, unseen potential. Yeah, well, it happens. And I think it just happens because that's actually what's so frustrating with me because that's our, that's the town we're from, right? Where it's just like Steve's, I mean, Steve's Steakhouse was such a phenomenon to me because it was like a restaurant. They didn't have, a, they didn't really have a chef. They had Steve who was like, mm-hmm. I want a good steakhouse in this goddamn town. And then they had cooks, but like, that was like the closest place to like this restaurants that we're talking about. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) But like, if we had like an actual legitimate restaurant in Sevier County, it would just take one to show the way. And then people would be like, fuck yeah, let's do this. Yeah. No, I was so game for it too. And I was like, I can't wait to be the marketing for this and like make, put this like really on the map. And like, I was like, I can't wait to dedicate 16 hours to this. Because if I, I can like, dedicate 16 hours to a man I don't even like, I can dedicate 16 hours to the, this fucking project. Yes, for sure. <laughs> and then, like, something to something about, like, when you're a child and they're like, go to college and then and go get knowledge, but then come back and make us better. Like, there's always that, like, reach behind you and pull them up. Make my town thing. better. Yeah. yeah, and, like, it feels like none of us can do that because... Just, uh, it, like it would take just one and you would yeah. you're right well and i feel like i feel like that did happen like little wonder was that once upon a time it's not anymore no but it should we was buy little wonder <laughs> new I wonder love little, i love little wonder i've had so many good meals there i the last time i went there i was like oh this i'll never come here again unfortunately because the old man was still running things and the cheesecake was like watery it was weird yes uh but yeah, I mean, we just got to get more reverent about food again. Like, first of all, as like a, a art, art. Well, and not only that, let's treat it like it's the thing that we put in our bodies. It's fuel. Yes. And like, I have a Pepsi problem. Sure. But like, <laughs> but that's like, part I, of our heritage. Okay. It's part of my heritage. That and methamphetamine. <laughs> uh, I am really trying really hard to get more. Even if it is just, you know, like, I mean, I know that there's definitely preservatives and stuff in that bread, but like butter and bread instead Mm -hmm. of like SpaghettiOs or something like that, you Mm -hmm. know, to be more conscious about what we're putting in our bodies, Applebee's and uh, the, all these chains, they're the SpaghettiOs, you know, that they're the SpaghettiOs of food, of like restaurants and stuff. We really got to be more aware and we got to respect our, our people and also, pay attention if there's fingerprints all over the w- a window, all over the door. Just don't eat there. Okay. 
And that's all I really have to say. <laughs> and we say these things. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Is This the Place podcast is written, recorded, and edited at Titan Tower Studios. Our theme song is by Bobby, and our cover art is by Jessica Sanchez. This is our story as we see it. We believe it to be true as far as it is translated correctly. We'd be eternally grateful if you'd share the show with your friends and check out our community at patreon.com slash is this the place? Because even if this isn't the place, you are still the people making this possible. Thank you.